0: Listen up! This whole coronavirus thing has lasted forever. I mean, forever. Best way to get back out there is work together. That means visit your doctor, wear a mask, even getting a flu shot, and social distancing. The sooner we all do our part, the sooner we can get back to, you know, playing. Get safe care
1: your way. Unity Point Health. Know how much you matter to this world.
0: In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there's very compelling evidence that we uh, we m- may not be alone. This is the Garden of. To Garden of Doom today we are covering the Marvel Cinematic Universe with our friend Drew Yari. Um, he is a Marvel aficionado and apparently is in a wind tunnel, so maybe <laughs> we get that resolved. Um, not sure. Is that on your end or mine?
2: I believe it's probably on your end because you're you started. You were good before,
0: and
1: then you just cut out like
0: out of nowhere. Oh well, you're perfect now, so I guess whatever it is, it's taken care of. So good. Um, so MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, just to, for, first of all, uh, Drew is the aforenamed uh, uh, star and proprietor of the Drew Yari show. He also has his Patreon, which where he has a, a variety of shows as well. He's going to plug all that stuff at the end. Uh, but he is a Marvel and really all things sort of uh, comics and, and horror and science fiction Uh, aficionado, but for this, we're going to stick to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to frame that for the audience, we're not talking about the old Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Mans. We're not talking about the X-Men movies. All of that is are from different studios. We're talking about basically from Iron Man. Uh, We're only talking about the Ed Norton Hulk, and we're not going to talk too much about that. Um, On forward, including the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies and if we can we'll get into the recent Marvel TV series uh just to you know sort of let you know what the important things are and get you up to present if possible the Black Widow movie even though in our time continuum that actually occurs uh before that, that, that I think most of that is uh, um sort of after The Avengers but before um I'm not exactly sure if it's after Age of Ultron or before Age of Ultron but it, it's sort of in that part It's between Civil War and Infinity War. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And uh, so it was fun. So anyway, there's Drew See, That's why I have Drew here, because he knows the exact stuff. So a lot of people talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe as one of the great, great achievements in cinematic history. And I have to say that's probably accurate. I mean, it's been 23, 24 movies, plus a few TV series, all we've basically seamlessly into these very complex stories. And every one of the movies has something important to add, whether it's a character that pops up later or something that we didn't know was significant significant that comes out to be significant. There are other TV shows, by the way. We're really not going to get into them. There was Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. While it exists in this universe, it, it rarely... Uh, and I think purposefully rarely was pivotal. It was sort of ran parallel. And then there was also Agent Carter, which, while important, uh, you know, to sort of the origin story of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, probably not important to to learn. But I, I think I would recommend both those shows if you wanted to get fully immersed in Marvel. So, Drew, I'm going to I'm going to let you. Well, I've got one more little piece A lot of people call this Iron Man's arc, and that's probably true to to oversimplify things. You know, the the nice thing about Marvel is that we see things through a lot of people's eyes, but Tony Stark sort of started as the self-absorbed, sort of broken, selfish billionaire who made his money off of weapons of war and then, you know, saw that this kind of unbridled power needed to be, well, bridled. Uh, but the conflict was, how do you bridle it? Uh, not with sort of utopian ideals, but with other power and more responsible hands. And, and he became sort of an institutionalist uh, at, at times. And it was sort of the interplay with, you know, I, I guess his greatest, uh, you know, conscience was probably Steve Rogers. So with that, I'm going to let Drew take it. Because um, I think, Largely, he probably agrees on those points, but he could probably embellish on them. So, start us on our Iron Man journey.
2: All right. So, as we know, the MCU before the MCU was even a thought, and I and I say that you know because Kevin Feige, he literally had a ten year plan. He knew he knew what was he knew what was going to happen. He knew what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. Um. So the and Kevin Feige and I don't want to like branch off too much because I know what. We want to kind of get everything done within a time limit. But Kevin Feige's been around for a while. He's been around since the first X Men movie. He was there for a with of Spider Man movies. So he was even there for the bad movies, uh, which we won't talk about too much. So he's been around the block, and <clears throat> it helps when you it, it helps when you have a guy who's passionate and actually knows his shit. He knows the comics,
1: so he wants to he wanted to make Iron Man the best movie it can
2: be, so that way it could start us off into the MCU we're talking about right now because, you know, let's let's be real. If Iron Man was bad, I, I don't mean and by bad, I don't be like, well, I got mixed reviews. Like, no, if it was just straight up dog shit, I don't even think we'd be talking about an MCU right now. Like, I don't. I mean, there, there probably would have been a few Marvel movies here and there, but people would have looked at that first Iron Man and be like, yeah. Are, are we really having movies based off of that movie? I think you're right. So Marvel took a big chance... First of all, by hiring Robert Downey Jr. And as we know about Robert Downey Jr., um, when I was a kid, the only time I ever heard anything about Robert Downey Jr. was for something he did in his personal Um So I didn't really see too many of his movies. I didn't see uh, Chaplin, which I saw later on in life. Or less than zero. I just knew Robert Downey Jr. was you was know, it um, Can I swear on this, on this show, by the
1: way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Fuck right. yeah. So he's a fucker. <laughs> so um, uh, was John Favreau the director who got the job for Iron Man off the
2: movie Elf if you can, if it, uh, that's crazy um <laughs> took a chance hiring Robert Downey Jr and Downey had said in an interview I went in there and purposely did a really good audition to where nobody could touch me. and the studio was like well we, we need iron because to my knowledge, there were three actors tied to this role, because um, back in the '90s, I think there was they were gonna do an Iron Man movie, and Nicolas Cage was attached to it, um, and then um, Tom Cruise for a while was attached to it, but supposedly the rumor is that he didn't want to be behind a helmet. Okay, um, and I, he, I, I hand to God,
0: he's very pretty. Justin afraid.
2: Timberlake. Uh, Justin Timberlake was another name attached to it
0: okay all right i i I believe you i mean he was he was a hot thing he was in the the social network he's you know you know one of the there's been lots of crossover attempts a lot of them failed from music to uh acting and vice versa so okay that that, that's all right but listen I, i i think that marvel has done a phenomenal job of hiring and casting, but also in hiring directors and, and all sorts of people for, and a lot of them came from places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. They weren't all the big bang, bang explosion, uh, uh, directors, you know, you, you had, you know, we, you know, you, you think that it would all be Bruckheimer Bay, uh, JJ Abrams, etc. And, and, you know, they, they did some of that, but they sort of went in their own direction. By the way, I should also say that the the Netflix shows are not directly related at all. But I, I, I'm not sure that they're. I, I would just call them call them their own thing, though there may be some crossover coming. So you may want to check them out as well. Um, anyway, they're pretty yeah, good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty good TV. Yeah, and and also uh, there's rumors about Kingpin as well. So, um, you know, if which he, we will cover. Yeah, and, and and if you love this stuff, you're you've either already watched those shows or you you're gonna like them. You're even if you don't love them, you're gonna like them. So uh, I, I check them out. But for now, we're gonna we're gonna call those non-canon and and you know just refer to them for the acting. But uh, Iron Man sort of was the 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 starting point. He was the you know again. He, he was an arms dealer he got himself uh, captured in Afghanistan he was sort of rescued by what he thought to be a, a you know another captive friendly scientist they built a prototype um, and out of this lesson he he sort of learned that his weapons cause much harm and and uh, you know he he wanted to convert stark industries from mainly a defense contractor into a uh, other areas which, you know, are sort of only vaguely touched upon as, as high tech. Um, but, uh, you know, again, Iron Man was a rousing success and, and from that we sort of, the only thing you probably really need to know about Hulk is that one Hulk was created be at the end of the movie, general Thunderbolt Ross and Tony Stark meet, uh, and Thunderbolt Ross basically approaches Stark uh, with you know this information about the Hulk and says I'm I'm building a team, um, so you know the the inference was uh, is it to stop the Hulk or or they try is the Hulk part of the team and you know that that was sort of left to our imaginations at least as I recall. Do you have anything to to add to uh, Hulk Iron Man arc? Uh,
2: I kind of wanted to go back to what you were talking about directors because sure. with Marvel. They've proven it's quantity of quali- or quality of quantity, mm-hmm. and that's actually worth word what Kevin Feige said. I, I I remember on the Iron Man DVD when they're talking about the making of. Um, I think it was John Favreau that, or no, it was Kevin Feige said it. Where when they hired Robert Downey Jr. to be in the lead, everybody you know kind of stepped, you know, kind of like took a step back and realized they actually care about acting. They hired an actor um, because again. Once upon a time, Robert Downey Jr. was one of the best actors out there, and then you know his personal life got in his way, and this role revitalized him, it essentially saved his life and his career. So, um, but with directing Marvel has proven we don't need comic book people to direct our movies. We need somebody that can bring these characters alive and give them substance. You know, John Favreau, like I mentioned, he directed Elf, and he got the job for Iron Man on Elf, uh, which a lot of people consider one of their favorite Christmas movies, you know, one of the best Christmas movies. In their opinion, I'm just going for it. People say, I like Elf. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies <laughs> to watch. Um, and then, you know, other directors like, you know, the um, the Russos, you know, directed the Captain America movies and the Avengers movies. Their background is common. They directed episodes of Community. Um, and also, was it uh, what, what's that one show with Jason Bateman and Arrested and, Development. Uh, Arrested Development. There you go. Um, and then and Taika, Wait- Taika Waititi, who nobody really knew anything about before he directed Thor. And then he made Thor interesting. You know, James Gunn, a horror guy. He directed Guardians of the Galaxy and made that interesting. So, I mean, and I could go on. Well, yeah. this is a 90-minute show. Yeah. But... um.
0: But they did, they made a big deal about making the, you know, having it be character-driven, building on the friendships. Uh, and they also made different types of movies, which, you know, became evident a little bit later on. But you would have your, sort of your cop buddy movie, you'd have your heist movies, you'd have your spy movies, you'd have your, you know, sort of your, you know, uh, adventure movies and high action movies. Uh, And then you had your big space operas as well. Um, And through, and now we've just seen three very different types of TV shows, which are basically just long movies in, in WandaVision, which was almost like totally like a, like almost like a Truman show, Twilight Zone kind of mindfuck type of thing. Uh, uh, Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which, you know, I'm not worried about spoilers here, ends up as Captain America and the Winter Soldier uh, just with our new Captain America, our current Captain America, Sam Falcon, you know, uh, adopts the Captain America title um that was you know more like your buddy spy you know but more traditional superhero movie um in the marvel um arena and then loki i mean it, it's it's almost like british science fiction you know with levels and levels and and some sort of boring bureaucracy in the center of it and multiverses and timelines and it's 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 closer to doctor who than it is to the first avengers so um they they they're not afraid to take chances and and you know Everything either works or people like you and me and the millions of others who follow this have adopted the moniker, you know, or the the mantra, in Marvel we trust.
2: Exactly. I mean, we love the movies and we're generally going to love everything they put out. I mean, are we going to say everything they do is great? I mean, mean, the next movie on our list, Incredible Hulk, you know, I, I made the joke a while ago that it's like the pineapple on pizza of MCU movies. We're not sure why we don't like it. We're just, we just don't acknowledge it. We're, it's not Roman Reigns. We're not going to acknowledge that movie. Um, but I mean.
0: Well, it was like the third yeah. attempt to make a Hulk movie. So it's like, it, it was, it already came in, you know, sort of with stink on it.
2: Right. I mean, is it a terrible movie? No. I mean, we've seen worse superhero movies. It's not, not for terrible. Sure. But it's just like. It was okay. It's just, it was just, it was there. It was just okay. It was just it was just there. Ed Norton, you know, is a good actor, but it's just like it was just there. It was it was alright. There was nothing to like, you know, gush about. But um, it, it, I think kind of what you said, you know, it's it was basically just hey, the hope is the hope, and let's have Ross meet uh, Tony Stark and talking about forming a team. But um, next movie is Iron Man two, which, uh, again. The, uh, these next crop of movies, uh, this one and also, you know, the next two movies are. I always just I always refer to them as these are movies that are just leading up to the Avengers.
0: Yeah, world building. Right. You call them world building, character building. Right. We we got introduced to War Machine. Um, we saw uh, we saw. T- Terrence Howard. Right. Uh, we we uh, we got to see Tony Stark in his alcoholic worst. Uh, trying to fight through that. Uh, You know, Iron Man 2, I have to say, I think of all the Marvel movies was probably the one I liked the least. Uh, I'm not sure that that's sort of universally agreed upon, but, you know, it's in the conversation in bottom five for probably most everybody. But it, as it turns out, some of the characters and some of the events in it uh, later on led to very important stuff. But you can probably give us a few more minutes on that and then take us, I think, Either Captain America or Thor was after it.
2: Uh, Thor is next. Thor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is my sword to die. I actually like Thor. I like Thor too. That's a, that's a movie I can watch and enjoy. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I still get, to this day, I get teared up in that scene wherever he you know, gets his hammer back and he you know, starts getting his, his armor back and there's that music playing. And I'm just like, why
0: does this scene still make me cry? I don't know why. I don't but know. I don't know. I'm, I'm
2: a sucker. I don't well, know sorry. why either,
0: but I like Thor. I'm unapologetic about that. I didn't even know I needed to apologize for it. Thor two that was uh, that was sort of like the Hulk of the Thor movies.
2: Well, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it.
0: Jeff. The, well, that, that, the um, the Bifrost when we get to it. Right, we'll cross it. Ah, ah oh, yeah. good stuff, man. Good stuff. Thank you. Um, yeah, Thor, I enjoy. Um, next one is you know Captain America: The First Avenger, which I always say it's one of those movies that. Well, let me say a little bit about Thorbius. I think what Thor was is this was when we first realized that the government was aware that there were powers outside of our planet and that we should be afraid of them. And they needed their own sort of super team to react to it and that they were here when they found Thor's hammer and then later Thor himself. But they already knew what Thor's hammer were. We learned later, and I guess we could go a little bit out of order, that. Because Captain Marvel, which is a more recent movie, but took place earlier, that S.H.I.E.L.D. already knew that there were aliens and aliens, you know, in, in the country uh, or in, on Earth, both the, the scrolls specifically. Um, but this was sort of this was sort of the that was sort of the general warning. And this was sort of the yeah, it's at the door. Now we're now we're not talking about scrolls, We're talking about, you know, basically gods.
2: You know, when you watch the movie, it, well, it's actually this, the third appearance by uh, Bill Coulson, uh, Clark Kellogg. Or was that, was that his actual name, Clark Kellogg?
0: I think so. Uh, the, the, the funny thing is I still think of him as the guy from The Real Adventures of New Christine <laughs> or Old Christine. And, uh, hey, another,
2: another future Marvel character in
0: uh, Julie louis Travis, which we'll get to that. Yeah. But Phil um, Coulson or Son of Cole,
2: as Thor refers him to, they kind of come in as dicks, which, again... They're, I mean, they're not the government, but they kind of technically are. You know, they come in as dicks and take away Jane's, you know, uh, whole workstation. And then later on, they're like, hey, we're the good guys. We just, we just want to help. So, you know, Thor kind of shuts them straight. and That's that. I mean, again, you look at, look at Thor, good acting. I mean, you have uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, which um, is kind of like a fun fact. That scene where he's stripping Thor of his title, his hammer, his powers. The what I heard was that Kenneth Branagh wanted Anthony Hopkins to kind of redo the scene, but add a little kind of oomph to it. So, in the scene, when he's taking away everything from him, and he just, like, he's choked up because it, it hurts him to do that, the entire cast and crew behind the scenes are crying, because he just gave such a powerful performance. I just remember watching that scene as a kid, I'm like, that's,
0: that was kind of mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, like yeah. that was a good performance by Anthony Hopkins, but damn, I felt that. Well, like, that's Anthony, one of those scenes where you're like, I felt that. Anthony Hopkins, but, uh, great Shakespearean actor, Kenneth Branagh also brought up in a Shakespearean atmosphere, Shakespearean actor and director. Uh, famously, I think, brought Hamlet to the big screen and then several other great movies. Another interesting choice. Um, my one of my silly favorite parts of the movie is when the uh, Warriors four are coming down into the town to help Thor. And uh, I guess like the military snipers have eyes on them. And they're like, do you see anything? They're like, yeah, we see Xena warrior princess, Bruce Lee, Hagar, the horrible and, and Robin hood. Well, <laughs> what do you want us to do with this? <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, this, this story was the redemption of Thor from being sort of a drunk lout who thought he could do whatever he wants. Basically the, you know, the, the Beowulf, the Thor of, of uh, myths, Hercules, Gilgamesh, whatever, the 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 selfish dick into somebody who finally realized there was more beyond himself and and he got redeemed. So it was the redemption of Thor. We also got introduced briefly to Hawkeye, although we never really were told it was Hawkeye, but it became pretty obvious when he with the bow and and how he was sort of rooting for Thor Thor in a scene where powerless Thor was still taking out the shield agents and sort of like that observation bubble compound. Right. Um and also, you
2: know, you heard but not Nick Fury. Was it Nick Fury? No, not Nick Fury. It was Coulson saying, you know, Barton. So I think when you he heard Barton, you're like, huh? Yeah. But um, anyways, next movie, Captain America, The First Avenger, uh, which uh, it, it's, an, it, it's a, again, another origin story um, starring Chris Evans, who, you know, once upon a time was in another Marvel movie,
0: uh, a not-so-good Marvel movie, but a, a movie that was Marvel- uh marvel ish right which leave it at that outside um, of this universe but the fantastic four movies um you don't you don't which, need to see any fantastic four movie to be frank
2: which i'm not gonna lie those movies are have entertainment in them somewhat but they're goofy as hell but they're somewhat entertaining
0: the first one was okay the second one wasn't terrible if if you're at home and it's free the remake that was about <laughs> six or seven years ago unwatchable
2: yeah, exactly. we'll just leave it at that. You don't need to see that. Exactly. The remake, don't watch it. Avoid it at any cost. It's on Disney Plus for some reason. Um, anyways, so Captain America's starring Chris, e- uh, Chris Evans, who, again, another movie that's watchable. You can put it on while you're doing housework, or you can just watch it straight up. You know, if you have the Disney Plus app for nine ninety nine a month, uh, you can watch Captain America The First Avenger uh, with Chris Evans. Uh, we get introduced to Sebastian Stan as Bucky. Uh, and uh, infamous scene at the beginning of the movie where you know, Steve Rogers is getting his ass beat in the alley because he's standing up some jerk. And then Bucky comes in and beats his ass and tells him to go. Home.
1: So, and then we see Howard Stark, who's played by, you know trying to remember
2: the actor. Ooh, he I
0: don't Dominic remember. something. Is it Dominic? I'm, not, uh, I'm trying
2: to remember what his name is. I it- think he was on Nick Talk.
0: Yeah, I know who he is, but it's not Dominic West, but it might be Dominic something. But I, I don't know the man's name, but he's 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 they sort of go back and forth between him and John Slatter uh, Flatter Flattery or Slattery from Mad I Men.
2: I think it's Slattery.
0: Yeah. Um, a play playing Howard Stark. But um and then,
2: you know, Haley Atwell as as Peggy Carter, we introduced her. And of course uh, Hugo Weaving as Brett Skull, you know, the villain of the movie. So, again, it's just a movie showing the guy. And, oh, yeah, Stanley Tucci as the scientist, whose name escapes everyone. Who, in my opinion...
0: Was he a Strucker? Was he a Von Strucker?
2: Not Von Strucker. That was another actor. He was in uh, Age of Ultron. But this actor, I forget his name. But, to me, I don't think he gets enough credit for being in that movie. Because he was the first one that believed in Steve when nobody else would. I mean, you know, Bucky was his friend of Bucky was more like, come on, dude, like you have asthma, you can't be in the army, you're too small. Like, come on, dude, I love you, but you can't be in the army. The, you know, this scientist was the one that saw him and went, you know, in that one scene, is like, do you want to kill Nazis? Yes or no? And Steve was like, I don't like wolves. I don't care where they're from, I just want to take them down. And when the scientist, you know what, this is going to bother me. I'm, I'm going to look up his name.
0: Okay. Well, basically we learned that Steve Rogers was a guy with a heart of gold, but he didn't have the physical tools to get there. And thus that made him the perfect candidate for the super soldier serum. Big success. I like the movie Captain America, by the way, so I don't know why people give it a bad rap. It's a fun World War II movie, sort of in the dirty dozen, uh, you know, filled with a little magic and superhero stuff. Um, But I thought it was a real good movie. and, uh, And Captain America, Steve Rogers is sort of the yin to the yang of, of Tony Stark, they, they both want to do good. They just don't always agree on how to get there. And they don't always agree on what the greater good is. Steve Rogers is very much about individual freedom and individual li- liberty. And Tony Stark is sort of more that, you know, sometimes you have to create order.
2: Er, Erskine. There you go. Erskine. Okay. There uh, you go. Erskine.
0: And uh, it was Dominique Cooper. That's how it start yep okay yeah, erstein was the one that took a chance on Steve because he believed him he didn't just believe him well not obviously not physically because Steve was like painfully thin. he was darby out thin.
2: <laughs> um but he saw his heart he saw a guy that had heart and you know there's that scene with Tommy Lee Jones where he you know, he's like he see's too skinny like what do you want me to do I can't do anything with him and then Urstein is telling you know you know uh, the other guy that you want for that serum, he's a bully, and then you know Johnny e. Jones goes, you know you don't win war with niceness, you win it with guts, and then he throws that dummy grenade, everybody disperses, and then you know Steve is the only one that has the balls to jump on it, and is telling one to back off, um and and then Tommy Jones looks at and he's still skinny. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah just he saw something in Steve Rogers from day one, and then you know there's that one scene you know the day before. He gets the serum and he goes, don't, you know, don't just be a perfect soldier. Be a good man. Because, well, you know, the, the serum, it kind of makes you more of what you already are. You know, bad becomes great. You
1: know, or No, no, no. Good becomes great.
0: Bad becomes worse. Right. Which is what we saw so, with the, the Red Skull. And then, you know, we... We see it throughout. I mean, it, it's you know he's he's not the only again not much of a spoiler. We're not really worried too much about spoilers here, um, but we see the super soldier serum you know employed on other people, some heroes, some villains, and and that is sort of what happens. It make it makes if you're inherently good, it makes you better. If you're inherently bad, it enables you to get worse. And if you're inherently confused, uh, you have a big-ass struggle uh, as the, you know, the Winter Soldier sort of is is that guy. he He's sort of the one that rides the middle. Um, so, okay, so Captain America then takes us into, is it, is Iron Man 3 next?
2: I have it right here,
0: my Oh, no, it's not. Uh, it's definitely not. Iron Man 3 is after Avengers. Avengers. Yep. So, yep, Avengers. The first,
2: the first Avengers movie, Uh movie that, you know, again, Marvel took another chance. This is, this is their first, like, big risk because worlds collide. It's their big worlds colliding movie. And in our history of movies or TV shows, whenever they do this whole, let's get everybody into one thing, it usually doesn't work out that well. This is the first time, I mean, maybe not the first time because we've seen movies that have an all-star cast, but it it all depends on how good the director is and how well he can balance all these egos. And luckily in Joss Whedon's case, you know, it's a name that comes up in a not-so-nice way of telling us. Um, He was able to balance all these egos into one movie, and it ended up being a total success. Yep, you know, no, the Avengers
1: fun. with everybody. Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye, kind of, uh, lo- Loki, um, Sam Jackson, of course. Um, and uh,
2: again, great movie. Premise was kind of so-so. Um, you know, cause it's like, you know, Loki as is uh, as Kevin Smith refers to is uh, Loki, uh, hokey pokey stick. And he uses it to, to brainwash people, uh, which has the mind stone. And he basically just makes a hot guy, you know, hit one of his minions for a majority of the movie. And, uh, Mark Ruffalo is not Edward Norton. He's, uh, or not, I was gonna say Mark Ruffalo is not Edward Norton. Right. Uh, Bruce Banner is not Edward Norton. He's actually Mark Ruffalo.
0: Right, yeah. Mark so, Ruffalo is definitely not Edward Norton. That's for sure.
2: But um, yeah, I mean, the, again, the premise of the movie is a little weak, and it's weird because how dare if you, you look back? I, I'm just, I said a little weak, not really weak, not Justice League, Joss just Wheaton cut weak. I'm saying a little weak, mm. but overall, great movie, a uh, great movie. It's a movie you can look back and watch. It's it, as a Marvel fan, you're watching it because they keep dropping little hints as to who gave Loki this kind of power. Because they just, because they just keep saying he, he, he gave you the stick, he gave you the stone, he yeah. gave you the stick, he gave you this. Right, it mean, was like, and we
0: didn't like, we didn't really yeah, even yeah, know what the stones was. were. We didn't know we didn't, we had seen the Tesseract before, but we didn't really know what it was. And now we're getting hints as 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 to what it was. Now, if you if you were a comic book fan, you knew what the Infinity Stones were. But if you were not a comic book fan in, say, the 90s and the aughts, you probably didn't.
2: Right, and you're just like, wait, who's he? Who's this he that I have to worry about? Tell me who he is. Um, and then in the post credit scene, actually, one, part one of two post-credits scene, it shows uh, Thanos, or free Josh Brolin Thanos. It's just mm-hmm. that scene where his uh, minion is saying, you know, to court them. Or, no, to challenge them. It's a court death, and you see
0: Loki turn around with that giant, you know, shifter around his face. Yep. So that's that's going to be the next big baddie for, you know, the next uh, seven years. And it was kind also... It was also the beta test success of uh, General Thunderbolt Ross and, and Nick Fury's plan to build a team to to fight off uh, an alien invasion. Of course, uh, half of New York City got destroyed as well, but, you know, but still the, the aliens got got thwarted
1: right
2: and again overall overall fun movie um again it's a movie you can quote but you can remember you can remember scenes you can remember dialogue it's just that good you know like you said shield was actually looking or i don't even know if it was shield it was the government or the higher-ups actually wanted to bomb the island of manhattan just to get rid of these aliens and you know sam jackson has that line where he's like I recognize it's a decision. I also recognize it's a, it's a dumbass decision, and <laughs> elect, I'm electing to ignore it. And then Iron Man, you know, finds the missile and throws it up into the giant ship, which is, you know, looking back on it, it's, it, was saying it was a ship or one of his many ships, and he blows that shit up because that's the only way to stop it. Right. And uh, ever since then, Iron Man's been dealing with PTSD, which will lead us into Iron Man three. You know, but- Uh,
0: eventually. But it also proved Uh, that he could be unselfish and that he would sacrifice himself, uh, which gave him some, a lot of uh, street cred and trust with his teammates. Right, exactly. And then, uh, what's the next movie right here? Iron Man 3. There you go. Iron Man
2: 3. uh, Again, better than Iron Man 2. I mean, it's a movie I can watch and enjoy. It's essentially not really a superhero film. It's more a film about Tony rather than being. It's more. It's more of a film about Tony Stark rather than Iron Man, because it's about Tony kind of dealing with his mortality. Because, like I mentioned in the previous film, he ju- he literally just saw the next big villain, and you know, I, we'll kind of flat. We'll kind of fast forward in Infinity War. There's that line he has with Doctor Strange. He says Thanos has been in my head for six years. Like and. This is this movie, he's dealing with the ramifications of what just happened. Like, I literally saw death, and I almost died from it. There like, was, I shouldn't even be here. Were, like, I, I literally, I cheated death twice.
0: There was also a foreshadowing of that we needed to pay maybe more attention to Tony Stark's past, because the villain was somebody from his past They he sort of scoffed and, and brushed off. And that comes back to haunt later on in other Marvel movies. But also, he had this relationship with with this young boy who was interested in science. That he sort of became a, a friend, sort of a almost like a semi father figure of. And at the time, it just seemed like you know maybe it was filler for a movie to sort of make it sweet and humanize him. But I think it, more importantly, was foreshadowing his relationship with Peter Parker and and how he was able to bond with a sort of a young science oriented kid and. And but yeah, it was mostly about his mortality, and also it, it showed us sort of the bravery and the competence of Pepper Parks, and how uh, she also was capable of using the armor. Uh, there was a there was a rather confusing segment at the end, but I, I don't really think that we need to deal with him ex- exploding all the armor, and then by next movie he's got you know endless supplies of uh, armored robots again, you know uh, suits again, and robots.
2: Hey, he's Tony Stark. He can afford it. Right. Um, next next movie. Thor the Dark World. Um, I, I will say uh, the Russos made us care about Thor the Dark World when we get to Endgame. I'll just leave it at that. But again, another movie. Is it terrible? No. Is it amazing? No. It's just, it's there. It served as a, I guess, a launching pad as to what Thor is going to do next. Because um, I'll just kind of skip to the ending. They find, was it the Ether, mm-hmm. which ends up being the reality stone? And that's, that's actually the first time we hear Infinity songs being used in the MCU because there's a post credit scene of, you know, the, um, what is it, uh, Sif and uh, Ray Stevenson, whatever his character's name is. Uh,
0: they, Falstaff, isn't he Falstaff?
2: Take, I guess. Uh, I, I can't remember his name. They take it to The Collector, who's uh new who of
1: this is the first time we're seeing The Collector. And, you know, they tell them it's, it's not
2: wise to keep two infinity stones together because they already have the Tesseract back
1: in, uh, Odin's, uh, room. So they get to the collectors, like,
2: keep this, keep this the fuck away. And that's what, again, it's the first time you hear the infinity stones. And then the collector has that kind of ominous, you know, line, you know, two
0: down, four to go. Yes. Or it's like, what does that mean? Exactly. Um. But we also had uh, in that there were there were certain things that happened during the course of that movie, which later on become very important in the Thor story, uh, which is, you know, our larger Avengers story and also in the Loki story. Uh, But also we learned that Loki, uh, his origin, that he was uh, a a child of the Frost Giants uh, and was sort of traded to Odin. Um, you know, almost as hostage ransom to, to raise them as their own, but to sort of ensure peace uh, between their peoples, the uh, Asir, the, the people of Asgard, and the the Jotunheim, the frost giants, uh, which, by the way, was done all the time in, you know, throughout history in, in our own world as well. Uh, but anyway, we, you know, Loki learned this also, which, of course, you know, made him not You know, he was already mischievous and already Loki first, but now he's like, do I even, should I even have any loyalty to Asgard whatsoever? You know, are they my parents? Are they not my parents? Is Thor my brother? Is he not my brother?
2: Right. And, you know, going back to the first Thor, probably my favorite scene of the whole movie was just that scene where Loki finds out the truth. And And when you watch it, it's really heartbreaking because, you know, Loki, at the end of the day, he really loves Thor. He really does love Thor. He does care about his mom, as we see in Loki, which we'll talk about later on. And he does—he did love his father, but it was because I, I was reading this uh, thing on, on a site called Ranker where we'll talk about the top ten best uh, spaghetti recipes, were. And this one was, you know, the top ten, you know, saddest Marvel moments. And one of them was comparing, you know, Loki's relationship to Thor to Nebula's relationship to Gamora, and they're comparing—they're comparing quotes. Where you know Loki was saying, "All I ever wanted to do was to be your equal." That where you know Gamora told, or not Gamora, uh, Nebula told uh, Gamora, "All you do was wanted to win. I just wanted a sister." Yeah. So it's heartbreaking because at the end of the day, Loki's—I mean, he's a god, <laughs> but Loki kind of has—he's been humanized because that's all he ever wanted. He just wanted to be Thor, Thor's brother. He wanted Thor to look at him like. You know we belong together.
0: You know we were equals. We looked just about the same. A lot and, of confusing families and families in the MCU. You have the Romanoffs who weren't really a family. You have the Bartons. You have the Shield family, which was half Hydra. You have, uh, um, you know, you have, you know, uh, Steve Rogers and and the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes. You know, sort of a brotherhood. You have Steve and his sort of new brother in in sam wilson and just a, a, whole, a whole lot of you know spider spider-man peter parker and tony stark you know almost like a parent child thing so there's a, a lot of that sort of sort of going on uh, so you can't possibly you had a star lord and i forgot michael rucker's character's name the yondu. yondu so you had that so you have a lot of sort of mismatched family and uh you know you know, what's going on with that and sort of how these groups of heroes become each other's family and and become one big family, you know, dysfunctional like the rest of us.
2: Right. And these Marvel movies, you, you can't say they don't have art. They have art. They do. You know, every, every movie has at least one of those scenes where you're like, like, why did I? <laughs> I came to a Marvel movie not to be sad. Now I'm sad. Um, but um, next we got, in my opinion, well. It's my favorite
0: MCU movie. It's a movie I think you can nominate for an Oscar. Uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Excellent movie.
2: The uh, the sequel to the first Captain America movie. Um, if you haven't read Edward Baker's uh, Winter Soldier Run, please do it. I, I highly suggest it. This is, and Ed Draper has the same sentiments as me. This is a 1970s gritty, you know, spy movie. It's it's a Marvel movie. It doesn't really feel too much like a superhero movie. It feels more like a spy movie. It is a spy movie. So if you're like a James Bond, Jason Bourne, whatever fan, you're going to love this movie. And the whole movie kind of sheds, really sheds light on who Captain America, Steve Rogers, really is, which is he's pure. He's a pure guy. He doesn't really have any baggage or any, any too many emotional problems about him. I mean, he, at the end of the day, he's a soldier in World War II, so he has PTSD. At the end of the day, he's he's pure, but he's a guy that you know. And I'm just paraphrasing what he said in the movie. All my life, I've been following orders. I've been trying to protect this country, and make it great.
0: Yeah,
1: he,
2: and you know, come to find out,
0: you know, but he he's the man out of time. But because of that man out of time, because he comes from a maybe what we would call a simpler time. He has a simpler code. And while he definitely represents institutions, I think part of the interesting part is that while he's certainly loyal to institutions, he's more loyal to people. And, and we saw that here where he chose Bucky. Um, over the government of course the government was infiltrated by hydra so uh you know it ended up being the right decision storyline wise also but you know as the audience we we didn't necessarily know that going going in as well but yeah this is an excellent movie but we learned that that steve is extraordinarily loyal to people and that he he trusts his instincts when it comes to people more than uh you know just because they have the stamp of approval from the president or the the defense department or any particular organization so i mean i can't really do the movie justice but that that's that's probably the takeaway from it
2: and you know one of the best intros to any movie i've seen is just that intro of you know the washington monument and it's showing you know steve and what ends up being you know sam wilson future captain america you know falcon and it's just that wonderful scene of you know on your left on your left Mm -hmm. which will come to play in one of the in a much later on in a in a much later movie in a list. And again, Steve is just he has faith in people. And he saw something in Sam, just like Erstein saw something in him, and went, This is a good man. He's not just a perfect soldier, but he's a good man. Uh played by
0: Anthony Mackey. And they just become best friends right off the bat. Um And I will and say this uh, to Anthony Mackie, if he's listening to me, you were so lucky, sir, that you got these roles. I mean you're killing it, but like almost every other choice you've made outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, it's, they're just terrible. So I'm, I'm glad you're yeah. making the money, but never, never, never pull a Terrence Houston, or Terrence Howard, rather. Never leave Marvel. It, 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 it's beautiful, you're beautiful in it, and and stay rich forever, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and then another movie
2: about friendships, because it's a movie about showing him and Nat, uh, Natalia, not Natalia. Natasha, Scarlet. I was gonna say Scarlet Witch. Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, forming a friendship because a lot of the movie was like, oh, I hope they don't like do it because that'll just be awkward. I mean, yeah, they're both very attractive people, but it's like, I don't want, I don't want to force relationship, and and they don't like. They're just really good. They they showed in this movie that a man and a woman, a very attractive man and a very attractive woman. Can be best friends. Aww. and and I mean, they showed you that that can happen—the power of friendship.
1: That's and, beautiful, you know, Drew. Uh, show me. <laughs> <That's> actually, <laughs> You know Natasha's kind of
2: hesitant because she's like, you know, if you're if you're wanting friends, you're in the wrong business. And then later on, you know, she realizes this is my boy. Yeah. You know, Steve's my boy. He's too good of a dude to to
0: not like. Well, if so he's my
2: he's my friend. He's my brother. I would do anything. I would die for. I'm literally
0: for it. And she had already made that choice before with Cliff or Clint, rather. We we didn't, we, you know, it's only alluded to, and it still hasn't shown itself. But we we know that they've made that same choice before as well. So it's it's not like it's unprecedented for her. But she, yep, she she made her pick, and and you see some of the loyalties there, and and you know, it's sort of more team building, story building. But one of the important things here that we really shouldn't gloss over is, is that. The highest ranks of the United States clandestine defense and, uh, you know, SHIELD and, and it, it, up to the highest levels of the government were infiltrated by HYDRA, which is sort of like a parallel group to SHIELD, which was created either bef- before SHIELD and grew with it or around the same time. Whatever it is, they they've completely infiltrated SHIELD and it's almost impossible to tell who's SHIELD, who's HYDRA. Um, so, you know, that that's something just to keep in mind because it plays its way through a variety of, uh, stories.
2: Again, good acting overall, you know, Robert Redford, you know, played the villain and that's another thing we didn't even see coming because we knew that there was a villain. We knew the winter soldier, the title character was going to be the one that Cap had his hand, it was going to have his hands full with, And, you know, if you, even if you didn't read the comics, all you literally just, just had to do a Google search and find out who the winter soldier was. (laughs) But, um, you know Robert Redford did such a great job, and then he just he pulled that heel turn that we never saw coming, and you find out that he's in cahoots with she, with a uh, Hydra, and then Hydra apparently has been growing a beautiful parasite, and and in, in, in uh, Shield while nobody was looking, yep. and uh, according to uh,
1: what the, whatever the hell his name was uh, Zemo, not, not Zemo, um, not Zemo, what was his name?
0: Are we talking about Van Strucker now?
2: Not Van. Dan in the next movie, <laughs> or okay. he's in the next
0: two movie Show, okay. uh, no, the little dude in Captain America. Modok, Mod- I'm sorry. Modok, Modok. There you go. I'll, I'll just call him Modok.
2: Modok, uh, you know, went after he after the fall of Hydra, so to speak. Uh, Shield took in German scientists that had value, according to the algorithm, and or not the algorithm, but according to Modok. And while that's happening, Modok it, it decides to have his own agenda. He's growing. Another Hydra inside of Shield, and when people didn't want to didn't want to uh, comply, accidents would happen. According to him, you know, the death of Howard Stark,
0: um, the death of uh, they, they mentioned somebody else. I'm forgetting. Um, well, so, I think the moral of the story here is that you should never trust somebody who looks like a 1960s TV set. <laughs> right. You shouldn't trust. You shouldn't should trust TV sets. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, don't trust Germans. I'm like, whoa, Jeff. Whoa. No. Is Modoc even German? I, I don't. He, he's Swiss. According to him, he's Swiss. Okay.
2: I am, I am Swiss, Freud. Yeah. Um, that's what he said. But, yeah. So.
0: I mean, I'm part that. German, so it's it's probably good advice, actually. But, right. But that's a different and, show. <laughs> but yeah, Robert Redford, uh, Crossbones, played by Frank Grillo, and then a
2: few other, you know, SHIELD, you know, task agents. Have been with Hydra. Uh, Nick Fury is the only one that has it. Nick Fury is, you know, Nick Fury is usually the one that's on top of
0: shit. He's the only one that didn't know anything. I kind don't. Of. Mm-hmm. They just they they told him what he wanted
2: to hear, and they kept everything they needed to. Do.
0: Had access and to um, all those scrolls and never utilized them as double agents to to make sure he didn't he didn't have any rats in his own ship.
2: Yeah, well, that's what cat scratches do to them, I yeah. guess, but. um... Uh, well, fuck it, fuck what else I was I going to say? Oh yeah, Bucky. Bucky in the first Captain America falls off that train. We never see him again, so so we think. um MODOK actually found Bucky in the snow, or he had his uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. guys find him in the snow and we're experimenting on him. And they turn him into the Winter Soldier, who for like 70, 60, 70 years, he was you know committing these big Crimes, these big travesties. He even ran a black widow. You know, she said that she ran into him and she had to take a shot right in the pelvis just to protect her her guy. But her guy ended up dying anyway because one of the Soldier's is that damn good. He can. He, he's there in, in the blink of an eye and then he's
0: gone. It was a super uh, soldier assassin.
2: Super soldier sense.
0: He was like the Manchurian so, Candidate. He was under mind control. They had code words to activate him and code words to deactivate him. <laughs>
2: And um towards the end of the movie, you know, Cap, of course Cap and Warner Soldier have that big fight. You know, Cap isn't only doing anything because that's his boy. And then he he tells him, you know, finish, you know, go ahead, finish me off because I'm with to get the kid in the line. Bucky realizes who he is. Or he some triggers him. He's like, wait, I've heard that before. Um so the end of the end of the movie is um the end of the movie. The first post-credit scene introduces you to Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver, um, and then Baron von Strucker, the guy, the guy you've been talking about. Um, he's secretly running, I guess, his own brand of Hydra, because um, there's that one off, op- there's that one um, uh, doctor whoever you want to call him, who's like, you know, you know, Shield and Hydra have already been taken down. And he's like, yeah, so it, that's what they, that's what th- that's what they want to think. We're letting them think what they want to think. You know, Shield and Hydra are two, are two, uh, what the fuck do you call them? Two pieces of currency that no longer exist. Um, and then, you know, he shows, you know, Loki's Loki's Hokey Pokey stick, and they're talking about the volunteers, and he's like, the dead won't speak, but what about the twins? And he shows the twins. And at that time, that was when uh, Marvel didn't own uh, any Fox characters. They Fox even owned the word mutants. So you you can't even say mutants in the MCU. So I just thought it was funny. There's that one line where Strucker said, this is the age of of heroes or villains or even spies. This is the age of miracles. I just picture a Fox executive leaning in and going, it's the age of, hmm? 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 Miracles. Okay. I thought so. Um, So that's our first introduction to uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And then the the second post-grade scene, which... I think was pretty impactful was Bucky at the uh, at the uh, Smithsonian in the Captain America exhibit, and he's seeing pictures and videos of himself, and it's just like it's it's kind of horrifying to watch because it's like he's starting to remember everything.
1: Yeah, like like it's and it just has that really scary Winter Soldier music that.
2: Okay,
0: don't don't do that again. No, no, no. Don't do that again. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, but, um, he's, he's un, unpacking the, the programming. He's b- being reprogrammed right. and refinding himself. So, okay. So after this, which is what... Uh, we've got to be the Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man
2: by yeah. now. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. The first Guardians of the Galaxy, again, another big risk that Marvel took. A comic series that was never popular. Never. Never popular. Like, I remember when someone brought that up to me, I'm like, they're doing that? Like, I just, it I'm going to go back to a quote I heard from somebody, I'm forgetting the they're on Kevin Smith's podcast, where they said it best, Marvel owns everything but not everything. And this was before they were able to get Spider-Man back, and you know,
1: now they own everything. Fox, but at the time, they didn't own everything. So, them making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie was their way
2: of saying, okay, we don't have mutants yet. We don't have spider-man yet uh we don't have quicksilver we don't not not quicksilver silver surfer or you know galactus so we need something we need something so cosmic we need something, right we need something cosmic to kind of kick out this cosmic thing so and this is their first cosmic know, first big cosmic, oh, first cosmic movie in general guardians of the galaxy directed by james gunn a guy who has a background in horror he directed a movie called slither and he also i think produced um the John of the Dead movie with um, another guy who uh, dipped his toe in superhero lore, Zach uh, Zack Snyder, your favorite. And hit or miss. <laughs> they took a chance with James Gunn. They took a chance with this movie and they took a chance with James Gunn. They took a chance with the whole cast. Uh Chris Pratt, who has who's known as the fat guy on Parks and Rec. Uh Batista, again, another guy who was barely, you know, stepping into acting. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Zoe, Sa- Zoe Saldana, who you know had a had a background. She was in Avatar. She was in you know the Star Trek movies. So Columbia knew who she was. Karen Gillian, I guess if you were like a hardcore Doctor Who fan, you would know who she is. Uh, Michael Rooker, who's a very seasoned actor. The actor who played uh, the villain. I for- I'm forgetting his name. Uh,
0: you mean um, Roman. Pace Roman. Lee Pace?
2: Lee Pace, there you go again, another guy.
0: Well, he was Lincoln. Lincoln. And from um, uh, stop. So, uh, oh. and, our, and our first introduction to Josh Brolin as Thanos.
2: And then, of course, you know, Vin Diesel, who, who got paid a shit ton of money just to say "I am groot," um, and Bradley Cooper, playing uh, Rocket Raccoon. Which we've had this conversation before, where you, where you were saying that you didn't need to put actors like that in that role, but it was like, it's like going to a buffet and it's like, there's chicken, there's steak, there's pizza, there's
0: burgers. Oh, there's a chocolate fountain just because. Right. Well, they were also not sure of themselves yet that they could cast anyone in anything. So I guess they wanted to have some marquee names to, to bring some people in. Um, Anyway, the movie itself was fabulous. It was like a heist western chase movie, uh, almost like Indiana Jones in space, and it it brought a whole universe uh, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it just everything about it worked. The music was great. Star Lord was. Basically, kidnapped from from Earth when his mother was dying of cancer, and all he had uh, of her besides memories were some eight track tapes with her greatest hits, were which were things like you know uh, Redbone, come and get my love, and, and just just uh, just fun fun songs for the most part. Um, and I, I don't know, just the the whole thing worked, just everything about it worked, and it also it also had a lot of heart to it.
2: Oh yeah, the the whole movie was about heart. I mean, the whole movie was was heart. Um, it was heart, and it was, it was about family, uh, more so in Guardians too, which we'll get to eventually. But this movie was basically about you know misfits. It's about people that were very different, people and things that were just very different, but they somehow managed to come together and be something. You know, there was that line that Star Lord. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to shift around and get. Closer. Uh, there was that line that Star-Lord had where he's saying, you know, you know what I see when I look around this room? I see losers. I see people. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: yeah, Drew's like doing like the safety dance there or something. Anyway, it was sort of like the A-team where they were misfits, but it was the A-team in that they didn't all know each other from the military. So it was almost like the uh, B-minus team.
2: Right. And, you know, like I said before, my my uh, headphone
1: got disconnected.
0: I don't know what you were doing over there. It, it was like you were having like a, you were like doing Joe Cocker. Your seat was going in circles. You could have a, I thought you were gonna have an Inspector Gadget explosion. I don't know. I'm on my bed, so I was. I had my my legs crossed,
2: so that gets something felt real, real well. Anyways, like I was saying, Star Lord says, you know, I see a bunch of losers. I see people that have lost shit, and now we have to be something. I don't know what we have to be, but we have to be something. And they became you know, these anti-heroes, you know, they're not, they're not waving the white flag and saying we're good guys, but we're here to do the right thing, and maybe steal some shit along the way, but you know, the movie had heart, the movie definitely had heart, and again, it was another example of, you know, you go to a Marvel movie, but you feel something, and then you walk out and you're like, god damn it, because the first time we saw it, we weren't, my expectations were very low, and then the first scene in the movie, his mom is dying of cancer, and you're just like, Oh, it's going to be that kind of movie. And then, you know, the end of the movie, you know, he uh, he ends up, you know, getting that. Or in the beginning of the movie, his mom gives him a present and he doesn't even open it. And then he ends up opening that present and reading that letter. And you're just like, oh. She yeah. like even calls him my little Star-Lord. I'm just like.
0: <laughs> and Chris Pratt oh, really plays the man-child so well. So it's very unusual when your protagonist is both a man and a boy at the same time and he played both the boy and the man uh appropriately during different times uh but in the full-grown body it's just he just had that sort of innocence and that you know goofiness to him uh you know that was there and which was also vulnerable uh but also gave him sort of the the hubris the cockiness the arrogance of 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 youth that doesn't know any better. And I guess growing up around these uh, salvage bounty hunter, treasure hunter, basically space pirates, you know, also, uh, you know, nurtured that culture into him as well. But I don't know. It's a very well done movie. It's a lot of fun. And if you don't like anything else Marvel did, I I think that, I don't know that anyone didn't like this movie.
2: Right. It's a a movie that like when it came out, it almost seemed like every critic that saw it gave a good review. Yeah, like it almost seemed like it was flawless. Which nothing is ever flawless, but I can't really think of anything I didn't like about this movie. Yeah. I, can't, I can't. I honestly can't. And it may just be the Marvel fanboy in me, but I just I can't really think of anything wrong with this movie. I can't. Totally. I, can watch, I watched it the other night and I enjoyed it. I still cried. Ch- I enjoyed it just about the same.
0: All right, we're tired of um, hearing about you crying. Let's go on to the move, next movie. There's
2: going to be a lot of crying on this show, Jeff. Apparently, um, it's called the Garden of Doom, not the Garden of of Bloom or
0: Gloom <laughs> uh, Touche um, Touche
2: next movie Avengers Age of Ultron again uh. out of all the Avengers movie I would say it's maybe the weakest because another one of those like awkward kind of weird storylines you know if we're going to talk about anything the the uh, Black Widow Hulk romance that just
0: literally came out of nowhere yeah that was a little and odd it was odd it was kind of cringy um, you know, uh, everyone making fun of Cat for you know uh, for people swearing, which was funny. Um, and then
1: again, the introduction of uh, Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet Witch, which was interesting. Yes. Um, Ult- Ultron, I thought was good. I thought he was a funny villain. You know, because he was basically he was basically Tony Stark. He
2: was the mind of Tony Stark, voiced by James Fader You know, he has that he has that one line where he says where he's talking about vibranium. Where he's saying, you know, the most versatile substance in, in the whole world. And they used to make a Frisbee.
0: Yes. Now, uh, Ultron, just so people know, was basically a robot made by Tony Stark uh, out of, you know, uh, various like the AI he used for Jarvis, which is the, the Stark AI. Uh, but there were some imperfections in it. Uh, Most notably that Ultron noticed that there were serious imperfections in humanity and that the only way to save the Earth was to get rid of all humans. So he was Thanos times two, except Thanos had the entire universe in mind, where Ultron seemed to be satisfied, at least for now, just with uh, uh, eliminating mankind from Earth. Uh, But through Ultron, we get, you know, first we see that, that Stark can be very stubborn and he's... And even though he makes a terrible mistake, he learns from it and we see who trusts him and who doesn't. And he creates the vision um, who turns out to be, you know, who wins everybody's trust when he was able to lift Thor's hammer, uh, which, you know, nobody except the worthy can do. Um, so they all buy into that. But, you know, also through Ultron, we had a basically an entire country in their capital city picked up out of the ground and dropped uh when the heroes d- defeated ultron um and a lot of people lost their lives and out of that comes the sokovia accords the the, the country's called fictitious countries called sokovia um and that's where the government starts saying wow there's a lot of stuff going on yeah we needed the superheroes but there's too many of them what's that two, uh,
2: uh, that's that's uh that's the next two
0: movies chef. Uh. Um, but yeah, uh,
1: this movie plays a big part in, you know, the movie that's after the next coming movie. But um, I would say with El- with
0: Ultron, it's it a bad rap, but I mean, it's a movie I can still watch. And I like, enjoy. Ult- I like Ultron. I mean,
2: there's some good lines. I mean, it introduces Wakanda. Yeah. That's our first taste of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And uh, Baron Monstrugger, played by uh, Mr. Andy Circus. But um, let's go to the next movie, which is Ant-Man. Again, another risk, because now we're talking about Ant-Man. And uh, they decided to do things a little differently instead of introducing Hank Pym, who supposedly the reason why they didn't, they went with Scott Lang instead of Pym was the fact that Pym in the comics was a alcoholic, you know, white people. So they went with Scott Lang. Um, this, movie, this movie's background is... Uh, I forgot what the, actors, the director's name is. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright was the original director. and He wrote the script. And he already had his cast in mind. He already cast Paul Ruddy, cast Michael Douglas. And uh, I think Patrick Wilson was supposed to play the
0: original villain, but he had to drop out due to scheduling. So they brought in uh, whatever his name is to play Yellow Jackets. Ray yeah. Null or yeah. Randy Noll I believe so. But, and then Edgar
2: Wright had to leave because Marvel wanted it to be more closely, you know, in the Marvel universe, whereas Edgar Wright wanted to be more of like a standalone movie. So he ended up leaving which yeah, no, Art he had no hard feelings. He says he still talks to Kevin Feige to this day. But, uh, so they brought in Peyton Reed. And again, it's a movie I, I watch because I like Paul Rudd. I'm a fan of Paul Rudd. I think he's a likable guy. And I think that's what they were going for for Scott Lang is a guy who, again, down on his luck, but he's at the end of the day, he's very likable. Um, he loves his daughter. He wants to do right by her. And <laughs> the movie's about a guy who just got out of the prison for trying to do the right thing. And he gets out, and he's trying to provide for his daughter, and he can't—he can't even see his daughter without getting permission first. So he's trying to do everything he can. He gets a job at at um, at uh, Baskin Robbins, gets fired on his first day.
0: Come on, because he then revealed uh, his uh, criminal record. So yeah, right. So yeah, he's down uh, on yeah. his luck. But this—but this movie is a comedy and and a heist movie, and it's—it's it's actually. You know, actually, I think the, the the Scott Lang character is a little bit like Star Lord in that he's sort of quippy and, and and innocent, but very smart. But he but he's not a, a man boy; he's just sort of immature, um, which is a little bit different. But um, they're sort of similar characters. But you know, Scott Lang is you know sort of like the genius who didn't have the the opportunity to become a genius,
2: right? And you know, he ends up running into. Michael Douglas, you know, Hank Pym, you know, Hank Pym has another, you know, interesting pass. He worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, in the, in the beginning of the movie, you see a de-aged Michael Douglas, you know, a la when he was in Basic Instinct or Fatal Attraction, I forget which look they were going for, where he walks into S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and sees Stark and sees Carter and goes, why are you, why are you taking my serum? Like, I'm, I'm not going to let you use my serum without my permission. So he takes his serum and leaves. And that's the last day he's ever there. Right. Um, and then while that happens, he ends up getting voted out of his own company by his daughter, you know, Hope Van Dyne, um, who again, they have a, they have a very tense relationship because, you know, Janet in the movie, they show when they were, you know, the original Ant-Man and the Wasp, they were trying to get rid of this, uh, I guess this, uh, bomb that was heading to wherever. So the only way they can really, you know, fuck with it is to actually shrink, you know, small enough to where you're almost an atom and get inside. Um, but when you do that, you end up going to the quantum zone or quantum realm, I mean, yeah. where you're never seen from again. Right. Or so we think. And Th- things work differently. Every, yeah. yeah. Ever since then, you know, him and his daughter had a really weird relationship because, you know, he never really told her what happened. And he was kind of very cold to her, which... They have a very nice father-daughter moment, which
0: again, another one of those scenes. Again, Marvel. Oh, true. Right, you, you never know what's going. You never know what's going to happen.
1: You're just like, oh.
2: Um. So they end up, you know, patching things up.
0: And she was and, played by Evangeline Lilly from Lost Fame, so uh, uh, a cutie there as well.
2: Right, she, she's great too, and so. And then the villain of this is Yellow Jacket, who's. His, his thing is he's always wanted to be Hank Pym's, you know, number one protege, but then he finds out Hank Pym chose Scott Lang over him. And then he becomes a villain. Again, good movie, weak plot. I mean, forgettable villain. But again, it's a movie you can find enjoyment with watching. And... but Is, uh, this, you
0: get, is this the movie where they raid the Avengers? Uh, so this is... So yeah, so this is how Ant Man gets acquainted with the Avengers, and that he basically raids the Avengers' upstate New York uh, training facility and, and new headquarters, uh, and has and sort of like fights Falcon to a draw, earning his respect and and uh, they needed to get something I don't know to to, to finish their mission or the job or whatever it was, but that's sort of how we tie Ant Man into the uh, Avengers universe and. Uh, and that becomes, you know, I- important shortly.
2: Right, and then uh, there's a post credit scene where it sets up Civil War, which is our next movie, uh, Captain America's Civil War. If you read the comic book and you watch this movie, depending on who you are, Mish, <clears throat> uh, you might not like this movie. <laughs> um, it's it kind of deals with vaguely the same premise as the original Civil War, whereas instead of in Civil War, where it was like. Uh, an, uh, like a saga and it was literally every hero in the Marvel Universe against each other. This was more of the current MCU where in the beginning of the movie Tony Stark is at this you know he's at a college you know presenting his uh, what's called the September Fund. He's, he's given away his money to help these students pay off their, their projects. <laughs> While he's you know getting out because he doesn't want to really deal with anyone else because he's Tony Stark he ends up meeting Uh, I forget the character's name but her name but the actress's name is Alfred who would go on to be in Luke Cage
1: and you know she tells him you know my son was killed in Sokovia while you and your friends
2: you know were trying to save him quote unquote and I blame you I blame my son's death on you so who's going to avenge him so that hits Tony right here because he's thinking while we're out there kicking ass you know everyone's paying the price for it so and then while that happens you know Cap And uh, Cap and his friends, you know, Falcon, Black Widow, and Scarlet Witch, they're in some place in South Africa. They're trying to stop uh, Crossbones. And while that happens, Crossbones is about to blow himself up because he distracted Cap saying, you know, I met Bucky, by the way. He told me, you know, tell tell Steve, you know, when you got to go, when you got to go. And he says, I'm taking you with me. And then he blows himself up, but before he can do anything, Scarlet Witch contains him, and she tr- she's trying to get him away from everybody. But unfortunately, she's not able to control the blast, which I think is kind of weird because she's just, just, you know well she's not
0: Scarlet Witch yet. She's still developing crowds, but Yeah, she's still she learning. Can't, she, she can't hold him, you know. She can't hold him, you know. She's not strong enough to hold him that much because he ends up blowing up in front of a hospital. See, I didn't he think he, I didn't think she was trying to contain him. I think she was trying to jettison him up to space, up into the air. Right. But he only got up about eight stories or whatever and blew up the building where the king of Wakanda was. And that created, well, an international scene, obviously.
2: Right. So then whatchamacallit. So General, you know, Thunderbolt Ross comes in and he just he's showing everybody clips of past past incidents where uh, looking back on it, I, I want somebody to stand up and like, "Oh yeah, that um, that incident in Manhattan wasn't the government trying to blow up Manhattan?" Or he shows the thing in uh, Winter Soldier where all pretty much you know a big chunk of Washington is fucked up. I'm like, yeah, that was Shield and
0: Hydra and Cahoots. and Captain America safety focus. Um Where were you when so, they needed you?
2: So you know Ross is you know is proposing this Sokovia Accords of. You know, you want to sign with us. You're going to work for the government. And if you don't, and you know, Black Widow has that question. What if you refuse? And he goes, you'll retire. So there's a there's a scene where everyone's debating. You know, Cap. Cap has a very interesting line where he says, you know, governments are run by people with agendas, and sometimes those agendas change. What if there's somewhere we need to be, but they're not letting us? And what if there's somewhere they want us to be, and we don't want to go there? And, you know, Tony raised the question of, like, we need to be put in check. If We can't accept limitations We're no better than bad guys. And there's a, there's a YouTuber named Jeremy Johns who reviews movies and everything. He was talking about Civil War, and he brought up an interesting point. He's, he said, there's a scene in one of the Ninja Turtles movies where Donatello goes, he's right. He's right. You're both right. That's basically the point of Civil War, where it's just
0: like, yeah, Cap has a point. But Tony has a point. Right, moral uh, ambiguity, and wh- where do you where do you draw the lines? In this, and this and it's difficult. I mean, the uh, entire reboot of Battlestar Galactica is basically based on that premise, uh, you know. Or you could just encapsulate it in Uncle Ben's famous line: "With great power comes great responsibility." Uh, but but who's who's going to check that great responsibility? Is is the unanswered question? And I guess that's what the Sokovia Accords try to answer. And Captain America feels one way about the registration, and uh, you know, that this is this this is nothing new. This, this is something that's going on now, or something that was going on 70 years ago, 100 years ago. So, and and you know, Iron Man Tony Stark, you know, sort of backed by the vision, who is a robot basically, analytical, uh, does the computations similar to Ultron said, Hey, yeah, he's right, somebody's got to watch us. Um, and so there's a there's conflict. So literally it's you know, the vision who has sort of a Sort of a fledgling romance with uh, Wanda, later the Scarlet Witch. Um, you know, they're on opposite sides. Uh, uh, Hawkeye and the uh, and the Black Widow are on. Are they on opposite sides? Well, Hawkeye was retired, so he was kind of just like, you know, hey, Cap needs my help, so I'll come in. Okay. Uh, so so his, his side was more just like, I'll oh, help Cap if he needs. Right, and. And at this time, Thor was off-world, and the Hulk, uh, so disgusted with himself, deciding he wasn't safe, he also flew to parts unknown. Turns out he was off-world as well. But the, 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 two, the two big powers, you know, weren't there.
2: I also think if they were there, it would, have been, it would have been a conflict of interest because Bruce loves Tony, but he hates Ross, and Ross hates him. So it would have been a thing of like, I could go with Cap, but I don't want to piss off Tony, but I hate Ross. I think Thor just doesn't give a fuck because, you know, he's a god. So he's just like, these aren't my problems. Like, what are you going to do with me?
0: Well, um, I think but, there were times when they talked about which sides that they would been, have uh, been on, and then, you know, they, they weren't even really sure about it either. But it's not important. They were, that's why they weren't in the movie, is really all I'm trying to get to. Right.
2: And uh, in this movie, we, we get introduced to two new characters. You know, one being uh, Black Panther, who's played by the late Chavo Boza, um, as Prince T'Challa. And uh, again, his first scene in a movie is a very tragic scene. You know, he, his dad, Prince T'Challa, the former Black Panther, is at the UN press conference and talking about the Sokovia Accords you know, T'Challa notices something outside, he notices a van that's kind of awkward looking, and he tells everybody to get down, he's not there to save his father in time, so he sees his dad die right in front of his eyes, so there's a pretty tragic scene, and there's a, there's a scene with T'Challa and Black Widow where he tells Black Widow, you know, death isn't death isn't the end, it's a stepping off point um, you know, and then he just gets up and says, don't worry about it, I'll find her or I find it myself. It's like this is the king of Wakanda. Like, don't worry about it. I'm going to find that fucker myself.
0: Yeah, well, he, so he's he was. After, he's after Bucky. Everybody else is after Bucky, and so is the king of Wakanda. Right, and or soon to be king of Wakanda. And the country of Wakanda, which we learn is far and a away technologically more advanced than anybody knew, probably any other country, because uh, meteorite of vibranium, you know, fell into Wakanda. Uh, centuries ago, millennia ago, who knows? And they've been and they've been using that technology to, you know, to to better to basically make their society basically paradise on earth, and also fooling the rest of the world to just a uh, unassuming third world, you know, country that nobody really needs to bother, and and nobody really bothers them. But the other character we run into, and by the way, both these actors played these characters perfectly: Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther and Tom Holland as Spider Man. I think they were both perfection.
2: Right. And uh, before I get to Tom Holland, I want to get to um, and why am I forgetting his name? I'm such an idiot. Uh, Zemo. It was the actor's name. Oh, I don't know his name. Zemo. I'm just going to call him Zemo. The actor playing Zemo was great. He was fabulous. Um, another a villain who doesn't get enough credit because they looked at him as like, did he really do anything? It's like he broke up the Avengers. He he, he didn't have to do anything. He never looked a finger. He broke up the Avengers. He got inside everyone's head and everybody broke. He even said, you know, while he's talking to Black Panther, you know, uh, an empire that crumbles from outside can be fixed. But one that crumbles from within, that's going to, you know, that's going to last a long time.
0: Daniel Um, Brühl is the actor's name.
2: Daniel Brühl. Thank you. Um, So Daniel Brühl comes in as, uh, well, we don't find out that he's in until much later, but he comes in as the quote unquote doctor he's talking to Bucky, because the government finds Bucky, they lock everybody up, you know, they even take away Cap's shield, and, you know, Sam's wings. And, you know, he's talking to Bucky, in the beginning of the movie, he ends up finding that, you know, that booklet that has, you know, the words, and like, the you know, Hydra secrets, and he ends up saying the words to Bucky to make him become the Winter Soldier. And, you know, Bucky does, you know, you know Winter Soldier just does Winter Soldier shit, and just beats everybody the fuck up. Even, even fucking Black Panther, he takes them out with to know of it like he has a, like it's a it's a fight but he ends up beating his ass um later I mean, on the movie it's team cap you know thinking of we need to bring in somebody we can trust and that's when they bring in ant-man with tony he's thinking you know i need to bring somebody in um black widow's thinking are you going to bring in the hulk and you know he's like no i have another idea and that's when it flash forwards to queens in big giant letters and you see the introduction of, you know, Peter Parker into the MCU, played by Tom Holland, who's Jeff's case.
0: With his uh, uh, inappropriately attractive Aunt May.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, a, lot, here's the, a lot of people had a problem with that. I'm like, OK, has anybody actually met somebody's aunt? Not everybody's aunt looks like a decrepit old woman.
0: No, it was just it was just a funny thing because uh, because you know Tony would flirt with her and he said that's that's your Aunt May that's that's Aunt May so I mean <laughs> BS, everybody in the audience was thinking the same thing so I mean you know because I, I yeah uh, uh, yeah of course not but in uh, the comics, she was an old woman uh, and and Marissa Tomei is was a is a cougar you <laughs> know so that she is. But I, you know, I think with this, this I mean, first of all, I love this movie, like how you feel about Civil War. I mean, about uh, Winter Soldier, I probably feel about Civil War. But I think the takeaway from this movie is just how tenuous the relationships were, how ambiguous the morality gets. And uh, you, there was also some permanent injury to uh, War Machine slash Iron Patriot, uh, which is now played by Don Cheadle. Um, and... You know, some serious uh, emotional scarring between Team Cap and Team Iron Man, notably between Iron Man and Cap and, you know, the, the Winter Soldier.
2: Well, let's get to that scene. Let's get to the big scene of the movie, which the one I kind of heard rumors about that I didn't see coming, which was, let's kind of rewind back. In the beginning of the movie, you see Winter Soldier go on a mission and he just takes out this random car and takes whatever's in the back seat. So you're not really too sure what he did or what happened and then they show uh tony used this technology called barf which eh, plays a role in another movie um where he sees his younger self which is i guess like therapeutic for him and he sees you know an argument that he had with his parents his dad the last time he saw them and you know he talks about i was never able to really reconcile with my dad i couldn't i didn't deal with it i just kind of kept it bottled inside um so later on in the movie, the big reveal happens where Cap, uh, Bucky, and Iron Man are at that uh, that uh, Siberian, you know, Winter Soldier, you know, Toys of Us, pretty much, where all the other Winter Soldiers are killed. Which, looking back on I mean, I'm kind I'm kind of glad they were killed because they were kind of useless and, as a plot. But anyways, that's my, that's just my opinion.
0: Well, they sort of reused uh, it with the Widows later on. Mm, uh, we
2: might have a difference of opinion on that. That's anyways. Cool. Um, so while that's happening Black Widow's just in the bag and I just for some reason while he's following them I, I just think of that song in my head I bet you wonder where I've been no, no, never. Um,
0: not that, even a little bit <laughs> anyways
2: he's following he's following them because he wants Bucky but then you know he ends up finding out the truth that Zemo was really the the uh, perpetrator mm-hmm. he, that Bucky was just a puppet or a pawn, if you will, and uh Zemo ends up, you know, revealing the truth that my family was in Sokovia, and you know, you, you know, I had to. It took me two days to find my wife and my kid, and they are in my, my, they are in my hands. And I just see their lifeless bodies. So he's a tragic character. While that's happening, he randomly plays a a videotape in the middle of the room, and you just see this random street. And then Tony goes, wait, I know that street. And a lot of the movie was predicated on, you know, you know, uh, Mission Report, December 19th, 1991. And it shows December 20-whatever, 1991. And then Tony goes, wait, I know that street. And you're just like, oh, no. Like, your heart sinks, like, really deep into your chest. You're like, oh, shit. The whole scene's just really just, like, you're just like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. And you can kind of see the pain in Bucky's face because Bucky still remembers this shit. I mean, there's even that line where Tony says, Do you even remember them? And then Bucky goes, I don't remember all of them. Um, I think, well, not I think, but I think what hurt worse for Tony was the fact that Cap knew about it. I'll, I'll speed it up, I'm sorry. Is that what hurt Tony the worst was that Cap knew about it and he didn't tell him. Yeah. So that ends up being a schmoz and that kind of that fucks up their relationship for a while but at the end of the movie gives you hope because you know steve's telling tony hey if you ever need me i'm here um
1: and nobody kills anyone nobody really kills anyone anyways let's go to the next movie we'll try to speed things up uh
2: dr strange starring the lovely benedict cumberbatch as steven strange who we already knew was in the marvel universe back in Winter soldier um fun movie memorable I can't really think of anything that's too memorable about it. I mean, I guess the multiverse scene and yeah. him uh, pretty much making his bitch.
0: <laughs> well, well, it made, it brought magic into it. It brought the multiverse into it. It brought timelines into it. So it sort of opened up, we, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy opened up space and the cosmos and this opened up magic and that interdimensionality into it and that there were, you know powers out there that were wiser and and maybe knew more but this movie i mean take away the magic it reminds me a lot of batman begins um but i found it to be a very enjoyable movie but yeah i, I don't know that it added more to the move to you know the i mean i recommend people see it but i think that's all you need to take away to understand the mcu for the purposes of this show right uh
2: next is guardians of the galaxy volume 2 Again, another movie has heart it as well it has scenes that just kind of make you go, Ugh. uh, um, Kurt Russell's ego
1: and, you know, messing with the, the origin story of Star-Lord instead of it being Jason, it's
2: ego. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, revealing that Star-Lord was, is actually half human, half God. Yep.
1: Um,
2: I, and another a movie, I like. it's a very emotional movie. It's about family. The whole point of, Guardian, of Guardians of the Galaxy is about family. And uh, everyone in the end, they kind of, they patch things up. You know, Gamora and in, in Nebula are or, or, or sisters again. Or, I mean, they're sisters for the first time. But
1: I enjoyed it. Good movie. I, I know a lot of people who don't care for it, but I, I liked it. I didn't hate
2: it.
0: I liked it. It was a lot of fun, and you know what? I didn't like it as much the first time I saw it. But actually, doing this show, Garden of Doom, helped me because I, I have done so many deep dives into the myths of the Anunnaki. That basically, ego was a stand-in for the Anunnaki, where they were experimenting, trying to get the perfect y- human, sort of half god, half human, or half luminary, half human, half alien, half human, and the and the basically the all the lab myths, you know that that was. That was true. So it, it it made me appreciate it more than just what I thought was like a almost like a silly plot device into something that was well pretty pretty global uh, on this planet. But as far as other stuff is concerned, we also got a tease of what is likely to be Adam Warlock, who is another very powerful cosmic character who is yet to be revealed, uh, but one of those who will probably at, at first be an antagonist. Maybe we'll stay an antagonist. Maybe we'll become a friend. We don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think Guardians a fun movie. Um, but listen, if, if somebody, if you were gonna pick twelve movies from the MCU to see, and you you needed to get rid of one, you could probably get rid of Guardians too if, if you if you really needed to save time. Yeah. But but there's really no reason to do that. So uh, I I would definitely watch it. It's 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 definitely not near the bottom five in my opinion. Right.
2: And uh, just, with all due respect, I don't think we're going to get this done in 90 minutes, dude. So I'll try to speed this up as much as I can. That's okay. um, I just don't want to gloss over it, like, important facts. But uh, next is uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, the first MCU Spider-Man rendition we're getting with Tom Holland in the lead. Um, uh, Michael Keaton, you know, Batman fame as, as Vulture. Uh, pretty nice looking cast. Robert Downey Jr. getting the biggest payday of his career for only 10 minutes of screen time, <laughs> which is pretty nuts to think about. And again, this movie really shows you why this kid is Spider-Man because he he's like that perfect white meat baby face in wrestling where when he's vulnerable, when he's down, when he's in his ass beat, you want to cheer for him. You want to root for this kid. You don't want to boo him. You want to root for him. You want to you you want to be his tag team partner. If he's crying, you're crying. If he's mad, you're mad. If he's happy, you're happy. He has that perfect baby face, you know, white meat baby face, you know, appeal about him. I love him as Spider Man. I think he's great. I'm I'm glad that whole you know Sony and Marvel thing got got uh dealt with because I just think he's too good. He's, I think he's too good as Spider Man. I love him, and I can't wait for Spider Man three. But uh, what what do you think about Homecoming?
0: I, I liked Spider-Man a lot. I mean, I think these movies are, are really sweet and and fun, uh, and they definitely um, advance the Stark-Parker sort of surrogate father relationship. Um, you know, it it makes Tony's heart grow more. It's not just Pepper. It's not just himself. It's not just the Avengers, but, but this kid, and he really respects his intellect. Uh, but also, we also see sort of, you know, the damage from Stark's past. I mean, the Vulture, again, was a... You know, was a was a contractor that never felt like he got his due from Stark and was angry about it. But that's where he, you know, but he he had his technical expertise enhanced by his relationship with Stark. And and you know, that's sort of something that we see time and time again in these movies, uh, where the villain you know almost got their unintentional leg up from Tony. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, you know, I. I these movies at the time, they, they operate together, but, uh, uh, you know, the future was uncertain except for far from home. Um, so there's not that, that much of a tie-in, but if you like Spider-Man movies, you're, you're going to like this movie. Right.
2: Um, and of course, you know, Spider-Man, it, we'll see him much later on. After this is Thor Ragnarok, which is the best Thor movie. <laughs> I don't really know if there's any arguments uh, Taika YTD, you know, did the impossible. He made Thor interesting. He made Thor funny unless you know, brooding and stoic he gave Thor personality because Chris Hemsworth is funny. He can be funny. He can be charming. He has good comedic timing. Sorry. That's what they did for Thor. That's what they did for Loki.
0: Sorry about um, those sounds. That's that's my uh, charger.
2: It's all good. Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of, uh, and again, there's still heart for the movie. You know, there's that scene where they meet up with Odin who's in, was it Norway, I believe? And, yes. you know, Norway, not Norway, uh, Odin knows that he's you know, his time is coming up. You know, he tells him, you know, As, this is Asgard, this is going to be your home. And then he, you know, dissolves away. And while he dissolves away, you see Hela coming, who, in the comic books, Hela was Loki's daughter, but they, you know, decided to change things up for a little bit, which... I Again, mean, I was all right with it. It didn't
0: bother me. Well, it makes more sense and, that, that the power would come from Odin and not from Loki, who was only half god. Uh, you know, it's it, it's fine. It's you know, we we don't need to be strict to Norse mythology. I mean, first of all, in the in the movies, they're not gods. They're just aliens who are have lived a whole lot longer, and as such, are have greater technologies, etc.
2: Right, and Hela played by the great Kate Blanchet. Um, I thought she was great. I thought, she, you know, she's Kate Blanchett. She's going to be great and everything. Yep. And the movie was just fun. That's all you can ask for is it not just to be a good movie, but be fun. Like walk out of the movie happy, and that's what the movie did. It it it, it was fun. It was great to watch. Yeah, the introduction of uh, Valkyrie by Tessa Thompson. Um, you know, there was that great scene where Thor comes in like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Um, there there's a nice scene with him and Odin where Odin. Odin gives a very dad answer to Thor where Thor's saying, I'm nothing without my hammer. And then, Thor, and then Odin goes, Are you Thor the god of hammers? <laughs> You're the god of thunder. You know you can conjure thunder, right? Yeah. And he ends up conjuring thunder and he just comes in and just kicks ass uh, while, while the fucking, uh, while the people are playing. Which I'm surprised they never brought that game back. But
0: No, it was amazing. And they reunited. They it, but- it, re- it brought. The Hulk back into the universe. We found Hulk there, and uh, also brought some new friends, uh, uh, Corgi, uh, who who sort of looks like the Thing, um, mm-hmm. and and, you know some others. So it it kept the it, it kept the cosmos the cosmic thing going, but uh, uh, you know, but but sort of brought some of the band back together again. Exactly. Uh, next movie is Black Panther.
2: Uh, the the only MCU movie to be nominated for Best Picture, and it actually won a, a few other Oscars for like Best Score, I believe. And again, great movie. Um, it's it's not a movie I would say would be in my top ten, but it's a great movie. Of course, you had the late Chadwick Boseman, you had the great Michael Killmonger, uh, not Michael Killmonger, um, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan as a you know Killmonger, one of the one of the best you know MCU villains out there, and just pretty star-studded cast. Boris Whitaker, uh, Angela Bassett, and then, you know, you had Lupita Nyong'o who's just amazing in everything. Um, and then Andy Serkis comes back. Just a, a, another another
0: good movie that had parts because at the end of the day it was about family. Um, also moral about, ambiguity. I mean, Killmonger wasn't, that, you know, just d- depending on how your perspective, Killmonger wasn't a villain. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was very much about moral ambiguity, but it was a beautifully shot movie. Um, I think as far as Marvel is concerned, it brought Wakanda into the world. Uh, they introduced themselves to the world and also the repair of the Winter Soldier. He was sort of deprogrammed and, you know, spent some of his time adjusting there. And, uh, and it was a place for uh, some of the Avengers who were on the, uh, I guess, disfavored government side of the Civil War to, you know, sort of a, almost like a safe haven.
2: Yeah, and it was just, like, like you mentioned about Killmonger, was he really a villain? Not really, because he was looking at things that he was basically the Winter Soldier to Black Panther's Captain America. Yeah. Where he, he he was saying things that T'Challa didn't notice, because he was about we should liberate our people, not just your people, people who look like us. We can give them the weapons and the resources to defend themselves to make this country great. You know, uh,
0: Michael B. Jordan based that character off of, you know, what does a black man in America nowadays think like? Well, you know? Bla- well, Michael B. Jordan's character gr- grew up basically fatherless from a good time. And, you know, for a good amount of time, his years in the slums of Oakland, where T'Challa grew up in an idyllic utopian society. So of course their perspectives were different and they were both the heroes in their own, you know, in their own versions. But uh, again, moral ambiguity, uh, you know, no one's all right, no one's all wrong. Um, but yeah, a, a very good movie. But as far as advancing the the Marvel narrative, uh, I mean, I think that, you know, that, I think we probably covered that part of it.
2: Well, I was going to say before we get to Infinity War, like you just said, more ambiguity, you know, and at the end of the movie, T'Challa took Killmonger's message and went, we can't help our people, you know. Let's stay out of the shadows and help our people because him and Shuri end up going back to Oakland in front of the very same building that you know their uncle was killed by their father at. And they go, okay, we're going to have a Wakanda outreach, you know, center right over here, right over here, right over here. Let's help our people. out. Um, uh, and then the next movie, of course, Infinity War, which is the you know part one of you know the granddaddy of superhero movies or one of the granddaddy superhero movies. Uh, Infinity War bringing everybody in, you know, going after the Infinity Stones. Um, Thanos is the only one that really knows what Infinity Stones are. Everybody else, except for probably 4 aren't really aware of what Infinity Stones are and what they can do. So a lot of this movie is about everybody doing their own thing. You know, Cap has his own group, you know, on Earth, whereas, you know, Iron Man, uh, Tony, along with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange... And eventually they meet up with, you know, one part of the Guardians. They're on Titan in space dealing with Thanos. And it's a movie that's big because it was a game changer. And because it, it was the first time we saw the heroes lose. Like, again, Marvel took a chance on it. It's like, you know, let's let them think they're thinking. But once it happens, we got you. And, you know, we'll just cut right to you know, the movie. Thanos gets all the Infinity Stones. And Thor,
0: you know, kills, you know, thinks he kills him, but then Thanos says, you should have went for the head. Yep.
2: And you're just like, you know, it felt like a horror movie because you're just like, wait, what happened? What's going on? And then everybody starts, well, not everybody, half of the population starts disappearing. You see Bucky disappear in front of Steve. You see Groot go, you see, you see Black Panther die. Mm
0: -hmm. Black
2: Panther just had his fucking movie make over $2 billion. Spider and
0: and Peter Parker going, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Um, And then Doctor Strange, you know, uh, Drags, Star Lord.
2: And you're just like, I'm watching this, I'm like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Like, I'm caught up in the moon, I'm like, what happened? What? what? Oh, shit, I forgot. Yeah. 50%. 50%, damn
1: it.
0: This this Um, part got me. So, all the times you've been going, oh, oh, oh," and I've been groaning at you, this one, I'm with you. (laughs) This, This one got me. This one got me no it still gets me because it's like again it's like watching a horror movie because thanos is a movie monster it's so he well done what he, but he, even he did what he said he was going to do but even thanos has has his reasons i mean basically he's a, he's a environmental terrorist he he believes that the, the 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 resources of the universe are finite and the only way to control them is to get rid of Half of sentient beings, and then put him in charge, and he will rule with a, a strict, you know, as a as a tyrant. But there'll be order and, and rations, and and the universe can survive forever, uh, you know, under his, you know, godlike, you know, thumb.
2: Yeah, and again, it's not moral ambiguity, but it's one of those things where you can't really say who's wrong or right. But again, Thanos did what he said he was going to do, and he did. And then the post-credit scene was, uh, you know, Nick Fury not even getting to say "motherfucker," he just says "mother," f- and then he
0: just disappears. Yep. And you see that and you see that pager going down. You're just like, like, uh, you know,
1: audience members are just like, "Wait, what is it? What is it? Was it mm-hmm. and just so it was the Captain Marvel symbol?" where
2: you are just like, you kind of have like mixed reactions. You're just like, eh,
0: and and it was a and it was a pager like from the '80s, so you knew it was, you know, so you knew it was right. dated. Right. But like, you know, as a fan, you're like, "Wait, X Men." Fantastic Four. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. What is that? It? Um, it's Captain Marvel. Okay, cool, cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, which takes us to well, not the next movie, but Ant Man and the Wasp. Again, Ant Man. They're fun films. They're funny. Paul Rudd's great. You know, Michael Douglas is great. It's a movie about hearts. It's a movie about family. Um, let's let's skip to the post credit scene, which you which you and me both agree on. That was like a punch in the. That was a punch in the gut.
0: Got me a second um, time. I funny. mean.
2: It was something that you should have thought about, but then you're just so caught up in how fun the movie is that when you get to that ending, you as soon as as soon as you hear Scott go, guys, hello, hello, and everybody and Hope, uh, Hank, and you know their, their mom that they just got back, Michelle Pfeiffer, Janet, they're dusted away. You're just like,
1: oh,
0: like the whole
2: theater, right. my theater, everybody was going,
1: oh,
0: no, oh. Like, I I, I did that, and the people behind me and the people in front of me who are complete strangers either leaned in or turned around and said, you didn't see that coming. And I'm like, no. So (laughs) I didn't see it coming. But for Marvel universe purposes, this, this introduces to Hope Van Dyne being, being the, the wasp, which is a superhero. So, and also that we learn more about the quantum realm. And so Scott was stuck in the quantum realm, but Scott knew that he could get out when he had people to pull him out. So, you know, that, that, that taught us about that other level where you could go into the quantum realm and you could in fact come back out again. So those were the two things and that time worked different in the quantum realm in that Michelle Pfeiffer, the mother, did not age, you know, 40 years in the time she was there. They used a, uh, you know, it it, it seemed like she aged more like, you know, 10 years or five years. or I I don't remember what it was, but time moves differently there. Right. Um, Next movie you have Captain Marvel. You With know,
1: Brie Larson is in the title world. Um, another movie kind of similar
2: to somewhat like Thor, the first Thor or Captain America, where it's just like, this is an origin story. Yep. You know, this is a movie about somebody that, you know, was, you know, living a normal life before, eventually taken and became this all powerful being, quote, unquote. Um, and introduces, introduces us to S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, when it's first starting out, a younger... Well, maybe not a younger, but like, you know, Nick Fury before he's actually Nick Fury and then uh, a young Agent Coulson. And again, it's a movie that is a lot of people are going to have mixed reactions about it. Probably because of Brie Larson. I don't really hate Brie Larson personally. Um, I know people can't stand her, but she doesn't bother me. I I like her personally and I think she's great as Captain Marvel. I, I find enjoyment with the movie, but it's probably one of my least favorite movies if I'm being particularly honest, but I
0: don't hate it. Well, I think that, I mean, I agree. I, I don't, I don't think it was a great movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie. And part of the reason is it's not exactly clear what a powers is are. It's not exactly clear how powerful she is because she has trouble with uh, the Jude Law character at the end. Um, I have no issue with, with Brie Larson. She was supposed to play sort of a stoic soldier. She was a fighter pilot. So that that's all fine. Um, but I mean, the most part is it introduced Captain Marvel as being a very powerful sort of cosmic super, you know, sort of like a, almost like a Green Lantern, so almost like a cosmic police officer. Uh, but also let us know that Nick Fury, twenty or thirty years earlier, knew that there were aliens on Earth. We 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 teased this earlier that the scrolls were part of it, and we learned that the scrolls who we were led to believe were the bad guys. They were actually the refugees. They were actually the victims, the losers of war. Another race called, called the Cree, were basically trying to hunt them into annihilation, genocide, and that they were just trying to hide out. And And we sort of like the beginnings of a little bit of an alliance between Nick Fury and and some of these Skrulls. So that that's probably all we need to know about the Captain Marvel movie. I, I agree it's not a great movie, but I didn't think it was a bad movie. I thought it was fine. Right. And now we get to the granddad and
2: ah, end, end, end game, which this is a movie we were patiently waiting a year to watch
1: mm-hmm. um, because we were so gut punched after infinity war. we were just like, okay, what's going to happen? How's everybody going to come back? Um, the beginning
2: of the movie is just showing everybody just defeated, deflated. You know, Iron Man has been in space. He's been stuck in that on that ship for three weeks. Since Infinity War happened, he's about to die. And then Captain Marvel comes in and saves him, takes him back down to Earth. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an emotional film. It's a very emotional film. Um, you know, the Avengers are talking, and, you know, Iron Man. Iron Man has a great scene, which actually Robert Downey Jr. uh adlet where he tells Cap, you know, you weren't there for me. You know, you told me we would win together, but you weren't there. You know, no trust, liar. And that was all Robert Downey he the He of the shit out of that scene. Um, which is a pretty powerful scene. And ends up passing out. Um, so the Avengers... I'm, I'm I'm not going to go through the whole movie. I'm just going to go through the big, big points of the movie. But uh, yeah, the beginning of the movie is just the Avengers thinking they're going to find Thanos, which they do. Because Gamora gives insight as to where he might go. And they find him. And they pretty much gang up. They, they pretty much gang up them, right? was about to make dinner. And they just beat his ass, and Thor cuts off his hand, and uh, Rocket looks at the gauntlet and sees that all the stones are gone. And Thanos says, "After I use the stones, I use them again, and I had to I, I use the stones to destroy the stones, I reduce them to their last atom." And you know, Thor just goes, "Fuck it," cuts off his head, and Rocket just goes, "What'd you do?" He goes, "I went for the head." It's like, <laughs> And not even in in an enjoying voice. More just like, you know, fuck it. I had nothing else to lose. So, walks out and screen cuts to black and it just shows five years later. Not even five months later, five years later. So now we're, I'm assuming the year 2023, 2022 in the Marvel Universe, which is going to be in the next two years. Um, It's showing everybody just reeling from what happened. You know, Cap is in charge of a support group of everybody that's lost somebody during the step. Um Black Widow is just eating the saddest-looking peanut butter sandwich I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, she has insight as to where Barton is, but she's kind of reluctant as to, you know, where to find him. You know, Cap tries to comfort her, but that doesn't work. And then Ant-Man gets, gets out of the quantum realm, you know, by the help of a rat. He gets out of the quantum realm. Uh, he doesn't realize how long he's been there until he meets his daughter and she's older. Right. Uh, th- there's a nice little scene where he hugs her and he's like, how long have I been here? Like how long have I been in the quantum room? Like what the fuck? And he finds out he's been there for five years, but he even tells Captain Natasha. That's the thing. It felt more like five hours than five years. Time to in a long room. you know, Boba. Um, they find Tony Stark and Tony Stark is, you know, married to Pepper and he has a kid. So he, he's fine with what he's doing but he still has thoughts because he thinks about Peter. You know, Peter was almost like a son. Um, they end up finding Hulk who, Banner was able to merge
1: the mind of his and the whole strength and just become defensive. Um, and he stole one of John Draper's card games. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's funny. Even John Draper said that when he saw that movie, he's like, Holy shit, he stole one of my cardigans. Yeah, um,
0: I'm not sure if John Draper listens to this show, and I'm not sure how many of the people who listen know who he is. So,
2: Whatever. It's John Draper. Dude. Listen. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the movie, a big chunk of the movie is really just acting. And, you know, good acting. Because it's showing people. It's showing the Avengers of people. They're not even the Avengers anymore. They're just people. Dealing with loss, so a lot, a big chunk of the movie is is dialogue and acting, and they do it well. Um, and then they find Thor, who's fat,
0: who's you know, well, not just fat, he's drunk, with depression, PTSD. He's drunk, playing video he's games Hulk. with his two friends from uh, from Hulk World, Hulk Planet. Yeah,
2: you know, Hulk is no, not Hulk. but Thor is just he's depressed. He's dealing with PTSD because in his head he's thinking you should have went for the head. That's, you know, and, you know, Hulk brings up Thanos and Thor pauses and gets anxiety and goes, don't you ever say that name? Right. So they're able to convince Hulk to come by, you know, Black Widow finds uh, Hawkeye as Ronan. you know, just massacring the Yakuza, which is pretty dope. And she's able to bring him into the group. So they, br- they bring everybody in and they're able to figure out how- what to do. Uh, pretty much to go back into the past and go back into different points in the past where there were certain Infinity Stones. You know, one group goes to 2012, where their first Avengers was. Uh, one group goes to uh,
0: 2014. Not, yeah, the one group goes to, like, the 1940s.
2: Well, no, 1970s. Uh, but that's later on. But yeah, another group goes to Thor the Dark World, which makes us appreciate Thor the Dark World a lot more. Right. Um, so Thor ends up meeting his mom, and it's kind of funny because it, there's a nice moment where she
1: knows who he is, mm-hmm. and she knows that he's from the future. And she even goes, I was raised by witches boy. I should know a few things. Yeah. And he goes, it's true, I'm
2: totally from the future. <laughs> um and like she, she knows what he wants to tell her. Because he 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 wants to tell her, listen, you're gonna die today. And she goes, No, I don't need to know that. Yeah. You know, don't worry about me, worry about you. And there's a nice scene where he gets where he gets your back. And he goes, I'm still worthy. <laughs> yeah. So him and Rocket end up going back to wherever they are. Um, and then, of course, it's 2012 true. Avengers. There's it's
0: like six mini three. movies. They all have to. They all have right. to do different adventures and different tests and a few sacrifices to to uh, re, refine the six Infinity Stones.
2: Right. And uh, so there's three Infinity Stones in New York. There's Tesseract. There's the Power Stone. I believe no, no, no that's Guardians of the. There's just the Tesseract. And there's the uh, the mind stone, which uh, the Hulk ends up going to the sanctorium or Sanctum Sanctorium, and sees the the uh, vein sugar, Right. Where he goes, I'm here, I'm here to see you know Stephen Strange. She goes, I'm afraid you're about maybe four years too late. Um, he's doing surgery right over there, so she ends up just like literally taking his soul out of his body, and teaches him about you know how the multiverse works and how certain realities work, which plays a role in another show we're talking. Um, and then he assures her, listen, I promise I will get these stones back. You know, Stephen Strange did this for a reason. Blah, blah. Um, and then Cap, you know, fights younger Cap while he has the Tesseract, which was a pretty funny scene. And, you know, he, after he, you know, takes down younger Cap, he goes, that is America's ends. <laughs> uh, which it seemed like that was more Chris Evans than Steve Rogers. Like, anyways, um, um,
1: whatchamacallit. Uh, Hulk gets pissed off because he has to use the stairs and he ends up fucking up getting
2: the Tesseract. So um, Loki ends up taking the Tesseract and disappears, which that yeah, plays a role in the show we're talking about. And, you know, uh, uh, Tony and Steve realize, you know, or no, Tony realizes, wait, I know we can get the Tesseract. They end up going back to 1970 where, um, 1970 was uh, the base that created Steve Rogers, uh, which started S.H.I.E.L.D. And Tony ends up meeting up with his dad, but his dad doesn't know who he is. And so there's a nice little scene with those two. Steve, you know, sees Peg, you know, sees uh, Carter, and he's like, you know, damn, she still looks good, <laughs>
1: right? But he can't,
0: um, but he does, but he resists uh, going up to
2: her. He resists, and then they, you know, take the tesseract and go back. Um, and then, uh, Vor- uh, what you can call her? Oh yeah, Black Widow and uh, Hawkeye are in uh, they don't know what they need to do. They, all they know is that Gamora died. They don't know how she died, but they realize that she died. And then they find out how. Um, the Red Skull lets them know if you if you want this, you know, a soul for a soul, you need to give up something that you love the most. So they're both fighting over each other as to who's gonna who's gonna die. And it ends up being Black Widow. You know, she's trying to fall, but then Hawkeye catches her. And Black Widow says, "It's, it's okay. Let me go." And then she ends up letting go, and she falls to her death. So Black Widow's gone. Uh, and then Hawkeye wakes up with the Soul Stone and realizes what he lost. Uh, War Machine and, and uh, Nebula are in 2014. Uh, the intro to Gu- Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy where they're watching Star Lord dance, but while while he's dancing, they just see him look like look like an idiot. <laughs> like even War Machine's like, so he's an idiot, right? And he just punches him right in the face and they go after the power stone. But while that's happening, I'll try to speak this up. While that's happening, uh, Gamora from 2014 is fighting alongside... Uh, Wait, well, yeah, Gamora and Nebula from Nebula. 2014 are, are fighting alongside each other. And this is evil Nebula, not our Nebula. Um, and then they meet up with Thanos sir, so Thanos can fix her. And then she starts having like some malfunction. And Thanos sees it and realizes there's another there's another you in this reality, but it's, it's not you. It's a it's you, but it's another you.
0: Right. That- he figures it out right away. He realizes there's people tinkering with the timeline to try to undo what he has done.
2: Right, and then the Argamora starts to malfunction, and she realizes, oh shit, they're onto us. Um, and then they end up finding her and kidnapping. Her. And Thanos essentially just watches um, Infinity War and sees everything that happened. So... Evil Gamora ends up going back to our time, you know, disguising herself as Good Gamora, and everyone finds out that Natasha died. And there's a nice little moment with the Avengers where someone pointed this out on uh, on on not Reddit but Ranker, where the five Avengers were the five stages of death, you know, or the
0: they have five stages of death: you know, grief, you know, grief, or five stages of grief. Sorry, Uh, depression, you know, grievance. Denial. Tony says,
2: you know, does she have a family? Right. Steve says, you know, yeah, us. Um, and then Thor is just like, you know, we can bring her back, you know. You know, and of course Hulk is angry. He's, you know, he's angry. So it's a pretty powerful scene. And, you know, Hulk, they're, they're uh, Tony's able
1: to make a gauntlet holding the Infinity Stones because he's Tony Stark. He can, sure. he can apparently
2: harness it. He can apparently make a, a gauntlet that can harness the most powerful, you know, devices in the world. So he makes an infinity gauntlet that can, you know, adjust to any hand and it ends up going on the Hulk's hand. The Hulk, you know, says, you know, I was made for this. You know, all that radiation is gamma. Right. So I can handle it. So. But he comes. He puts, on, he puts on the, you know, gauntlet and he's struggling at first. But then he says, no, wait, I got this. So he snaps his fingers and everything comes back. You know, birds are chirping, sun is shining. Uh, Hawkeye's wife calls him back. And, you know, Ant Man's looking on the window, and goes, guys, I think we did it. While that's happening, a giant fucking ship throws a, a missile at the Avengers compound. And that's when everything goes to shit. Um, and then the, I guess, the Trinity of the MCU, Thor, you know, Iron Man, Cap, you know, fight off, you know, Thanos. Thor, it was kind of cool because you thought if Thor was going to power up, he was going to go back to being skinny. He just becomes like a badass, you know, Viking. Yeah. So, he has, you know, Mjolnir in one hand, Stormbreaker in the other hand. And they're just going after Thanos, but Thanos is just beating his ass. They're just beating ass. Like, he's just beating all their asses. And, of course, there's, of course, a lot of these holy shit moments. Um, you know, the scene where Thanos is about to, you know, kill Thor. You just see Mjolnir lift up and hit Thanos. And then go back. And it goes into Cap's hand. Again, the whole theater just went, holy shit. We're just like, oh, that, that, that's something I wish I could relive.
0: And Thor goes, I knew it.
2: Yeah, because going back to Age of Ultron, everyone was trying to lift Thor's hammer. Cap was barely able to lift it up.
0: Yeah, but we knew and he so- was faking, or we thought he was faking it. Right, and then Thor's just like... <laughs> yeah. So
2: Cap is worthy of Mjolnir, and it's just a holy shit moment. And he's just like, he's like willing to sing like he knows how to use it. And he's just beaten, you know, uh, Thor, uh, not Thor, Thanos' ass. Well,
0: he's had a lot of experience with a boomerang-like weapon.
2: Right. It, it, it was just, it was so cool. It's a scene I can watch over and over again. I get a tired. I like watching audience reactions, too, because it's so fucking cool. But, um, you know, of course, Thanos gets the upper hand because he has his giant helicopter blade, whatever you want to call it, and uh, takes out Cap. And Cap has this, like, bone sticking out. And he just, like, like he pulls a Rambo and just, like, tightens back in. And you see Thanos' army. You see all these motherfuckers behind Thanos. And, you know, Thanos is like, you know what? In order to write everything in this universe, I need to get rid of this planet. I'm going to destroy it until it's last atom. So Cap decides, Fuck it. if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out swinging. And while he's fucking you hear, hey, Cap, on your left. And you see this giant portal,
0: And it's T'Challa coming. And it's Falcon coming out, and it's all these other motherfuckers coming out. Right, the, and, uh, again, the Nova Corps, like, the Asgardians—you've you've got everyone. Everyone that Thanos has ever killed. Uh, you've got all the, the uh, Wakandans, all of the Avengers who were snapped out of existence before. Um, Shield people, whatever it is, all the good guys are back, and then you then you have the war, and uh, and it was awesome, and and the good guys win.
2: Yeah, but they won, but...
0: Oh, I'm not taking that? that away I'm from taking... you. I'm not taking the drama away from you. I know, I, I know, I know. But I'm just
2: saying, like, they won, but it's that thing of, like, you see the look on Cap, Let... because let's kind of rewind a little bit, a little bit. Um, so, you know, they're fighting over the gauntlet because they're trying to get it back into the Quantum Realm to go to the Stones bag, but then Thanos destroys that the van. Uh, the so, now it's just like, keep this gauntlet away from Thanos. Um, you know, Captain Marvel kind of has the upper hand in it for a bit, but then Thanos gets the power stone and just punches her right in the face. Um, Thor and Cap try to do something, but that doesn't work. Um, and then there's a scene with Doctor Strange, where Doctor Strange is looking at uh, Iron Man and goes, "He just puts up one," and then Iron Man realizes, "Shit, I got, I have to do this." So he ends up taking the stones, and while Thanos is thinking, "All right, bye." He snaps, but he hears an empty snap, and he realizes all the stones are gone. And Tony has all the stones on his gauntlet and says, And I am Iron Man. That's right. And snaps everybody away. And died in the process, you know. Um it was it was rough to watch. Yeah. Iron Man is dead. The the guy who's the reason why these movies are Going on, he's dead. Robert Downey Jr. is well, not Robert Downey Jr. is dead, but Tony Stark is dead. Right. And there's a nice scene where literally everybody is there for his funeral, even the kid from Iron Man 3's um, Thunderbolt Ross, who felt like he had to be there, um, and then Captain Marvel and are there. So, um, and then the end of the movie, Cap returns the stones, but while that while that's happening, he decides to live his life essentially. He comes back as you know the right age for for him, who's like a hundred something years old. Um, Steve, you know, not Steve. Sam sees him and goes, Does something go wrong? There's something go right?" And you know, Steve just says, "I just want to live my life. Yeah. I want to have some of that life that Tony told me about." Um, and then he gives him Sam Shield, or not Sam Shield. He gives Steve gives
0: Sam his shield and says, "You know, you deserve this. You're a good man." Um, and then Sam sees that ring on his hair and goes, you want to
2: tell
0: me about her? No. No, I don't think I do. <laughs> a, and then it ends with him and Peggy finally having that dance. Yes. And it's right. just... It's very sweet. It's a, a sweet ending. It's a very uh, perfect yeah. end to a epical, you know, basically dozen years of and 20-something movies. And so then it took us to, I think, uh, Far From Home, which was sort of like a... Spider-Man and sort of like more kids experience of being sort of repatriated after five years of being away. And also we saw another Stark past cast off um, trying to portray himself as as the villain. And, you know, th- th- this was more sort of building Spider-Man as the heir apparent to uh, Tony Stark. And what, right as you realize that he could handle things on his own. It it turns out that the villain, who's Mysterio, who is a former Stark employee, reveals to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And we just see Peter Parker going, holy shit. And then then the the screen goes dark. So that was the cliffhanger for that one. Um, The only other movie with Marvel since then has been Black Widow, which, again, was not exactly a prequel and not really an origin story, but a total origin and it sort of reunited her with her family, which was sort of like the Americans. And her father was the Red Guardian, who was basically the Soviet version of Captain America, sort of a their super soldier serum. We learned that there's was a, a widow program that was continuing, but they uh, ended it. And they were and there were more super soldier serums, and there were super soldiers out there, but. Um well, actually now I'm, I'm conflating things, but uh, uh, this was the widow program and but we what we got are characters we'll probably see again, notably uh, Natasha's sister, uh, Elena, I think it's Elena
1: y-
2: Elena, Boliva.
0: Elena Boliva, who I guess is the white widow. I, I don't know because she wore white. Uh, perhaps we'll see the Red Guardian again that was pa- played by what's that David Harbor from Stranger things and uh, Hellboy. Um who played a out of shape superhero uh and yeah it, this movie was okay. It was sort of like I would call it if you really loved Bond movies and and you liked some of the lesser Bond movies, you know this is this is that's my metaphor, like you would probably like this if you really like Marvel movies, but as far as plot was concerned, a lot of loopholes i it was closer to a fast and the furious and a james Bond movie than an m c u movie as far as I was concerned, but I mean, not really particularly important. We just got some more, you know, insight into Natasha and her family and introduced to her, her surrogate mother, who is a black widow, her sister, who I'll just keep calling her the white widow, for lack of a better term. And the Red Guardian and, and you know, knowing that, uh, you know, the, the Russians had parallel programs going as well. Um And probably more notably than than this would would be the three series that that came out.
2: Well, 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 let me kind of talk about Black Widow for just a little bit. I know we're on a time from straight, but with Black Widow, like the movie started out as something completely different. It started out as, wait, this isn't a Marvel movie? Like, because that intro to me, that intro to me was disturbing as fuck. Like that intro just showing essentially, you know, child trafficking. Um, with you know young girls across the world just being thrown into this program against their will. And they they have to think a certain way. They can't, even, they can't have kids. They can't do anything. And it's a very haunting intro. It has a cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit that went well with the intro. So when you watch, the film is very much like a feminist film because if the villain is this piece of shit misogynist who, you know, there's that scene where Black Widow's like, oh, what's wrong, you have a, you have a problem against uh, girls that aren't defenseless? Like, you know, she's just be he's beating the shit out of her because she knows that she has, like, some thing implanted where she can't strike back, and then when she gets rid of it, she just beats the shit out of it. She's like, what's wrong, you have a problem with girls that aren't defenseless that can fight you? So, the villain was great because he was a piece of shit. Like, there weren't any redeemable qualities about him, he was just a piece of shit. No, there were no ambiguities um, in this one. Right. And it was a very much a story about sisters because, you know, Yelena for her, you know, she said, you know, our childhood was real. I didn't care that it was fake. I it was real to me. And later on, you know, Natasha comes to grips, you know, with her child and is like, you know, that was probably the best time of my life. It's just being your sister and, you know, them being her parents, just living in Ohio, just being regular people. Um and then of course we get to the post-credit scene where let's kinda let's kinda jump back a little bit. So Natasha and Yelena had a thing where they would whistle so that way they can find each other. Like, you know, if Natasha was like in the backyard and she would whistle, she needed to hear Yelena whistle back. So that way she knew who she was, and also vice versa. So Yelena went to the cemetery to see Natasha's grave and she starts whistling. And <laughs> The whole thing, my, well, my theater went quiet because we're like, is she going to whistle back? And no, you just hear, you know, someone blowing their nose. It's uh, Julia Lee Dreyfus, who has a role to play later on as essentially the new Nick Fury. Um, so she, re- well, she already recruited Elena. And then she says, you know, your next target is the guy that caused your sister's death. <laughs> and it's Hawkeye. Um, so we're going to see her in Hawkeye, so that's going to be pretty big. But um, jumping to the series, Jeff. So we'll try to run through these. Um, so you got WandaVision uh, about Scarlet Witch and Vision starring the lovely Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany where the beginning of the series you're not too sure what you're watching. You're not sure if it's a mindfuck or if it's all inside her head which come to find out it's inside of her head. And it starts You know, the first like three the first four episodes are about you know her trapped in her own reality of TV sitcoms, you know, it goes from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, hundreds. And then, yeah, hundreds, 2000s, I mean, I'm sorry. And yeah. so, like, episode four or five is when you finally start to see life outside of this dome that she's created. And it's uh, Sword, not S.H.I.E.L.D., but Sword, who's trying to get inside. And uh, you're introduced to Monica Rambo, who is was the little girl on Captain Marvel who was, what the fuck is her name? The best friend of Captain Marvel. The best friend of Captain Marvel, so. Don't know. So she has has a role to play. And it's the first series, well not the, well yeah, the first series that really introduced like the horrors of, you know, when people were brought back from the snap. Because when Spider-Man did it, Spider-Man was more like comical about it, whereas this movie was more just like people were brought back. But a lot of people that are brought back they came back to a world
0: that forgot about them. Well, Spider-Man was kids, and kids are, you know, they're, they're easier. They're more flexible. So this was more adults. But basically, it, it, in this, through, through this, uh, this world that she's constructed, it turns out that another witch was also constructing it or, or riding along and, and sort of uh, manipulating it. Um, but through that, we learn that Wanda is, in fact, the Scarlet Witch, who is the most powerful witch, you know, ever uh, more powerful than the Sorceress Supreme, who is Dr. Strange. And also the Vision is, is brought back, but it's it's he's not quite the same as the Vision that we knew, but he's almost the same. Um, so uh, Wanda, you know, comes out of this, but we're not really sure she's ready to be part of the world, but, uh, but she's no longer in, you know, in her sort of self-absorbed, you know, utopia that she's created. And we have a a vision out there uh, and we're not really sure what he's going to do, except he seems to be uh, mostly working for S.W.O.R.D. Right.
2: And a lot of the show, like at first the show did, I don't think the show knew what it wanted to be. But then it became a show about grief and how to deal with grief. You know, we all when we all deal with grief, we all do it in our own way. You know, in Wanda's case, she deals with grief
1: by watching sitcoms. Well, you know, she, There was that
2: scene where she, she's watching TV in her room with you know Pietro and her family, and then the room gets bombed. Well,
0: those and were her memories. One. That's how she protected herself. She shielded herself in the right. childhood memories. Right, and that was another one of those holy shit moments where you're just like, oh, that's a nice oh shit, right? The whole place is going. Um, so
2: it was definitely a show about grief and this show ended on like a very vague note because now you're unsure of what Wanda or who, what Wanda is supposed to be because I know, on paper, she's the hero, but is she? Because she held this whole town hostage. So a lot, you know, everyone else is looking at her, you know, with dirty looks and they're like, you know, you took her life away from us because... You wanted
0: to play, you know, fantasy. Right again, so Marvel, moral ambiguity. Essentially, the
2: villain. Yep. When you look
0: at it. Indeed. And then we had uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was basically like a spy buddy movie. Um, when this is where there, we find out that there's still more Super Soldier Serums out there, and they're being, uh, you know, they're being used uh, by some for evil, and others to uh sort of try to uh create their own i guess their own you know their own new world uh they they looked at the snap the five-year gap as a time to eliminate borders and governments and just have one world one people and they were using the super soldier serum as a way to advance their cause with their you know with their powers and falcon and winter soldier were sort of on a mission to stop it we got introduced to the uh government's attempt to have a new Captain America and sort of his new sidekick, Battlestar. And, uh, and we also learned about that there was another Captain America who was an African-American man who was basically yeah. discarded, thrown in prison and, you know, now lives sort of in obscurity in Baltimore. Um, but this was basically a, a spy heist buddy movie with a lot of, again, a lot of the same sort of moral ambiguities visited. Uh, from Civil War, just played out over seven or eight episodes or what, whatever it was. Um, but basically, the, we we believe all of the super soldier serums have been taken out and any super soldiers that we know about, at least from the U.S. side, are, are accounted for, though I guess we can't say the same about the Soviet side because um, we only know about Red Guardian, but who knows what else they did. Um, but this was this I, I found the show to be a lot of fun, but' I'm, I'm not sure if from the from a Marvel universe a primer if if I missed anything big.
2: Yeah, the show when you watch it, you can almost tell there are so many reshoots on this show because i re- I remember when COVID happened, they had to stop production and they had to it, it took a while for them to pick up where they left off. and I know they had I know there's a lot of things missing from this show. Because um, I know they want to do a lot more, but um, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed every episode. I I liked, I appreciated how they touched base on, you know, subtle racism. You know the you know the scene where Sam gets stopped by an officer, and Sam's a fucking Avenger. Even even Bucky's like, "Do you know who this guy is?" And the and the officer's like, "Wait, that's Falcon." Uh, uh, we're we're sorry about that. We're just doing our job.
0: I don't know that it was subtle about so, <laughs> but, you know, but uh, it was also interesting well, how. Well,
2: well, it, that, well, I was saying that scene is more like, let, let me, let me rephrase my words. That was, uh, I mean, it was racism, but like it, it was racism. I'm just going to say it's racism. Okay, there, it was racism.
0: There you go. Um, but the, the, you know, it was, it was partly about Falcon's struggles in, in the world. Like he, he can't get credit even though he saved the world. Because he didn't have a job for five years, because he wasn't here for five years, and his job now is contractor, but he's only been contracting for six months with the government. Uh, I mean, the whole thing is ludicrous. Because I mean, he's he's sitting there with a uniform that's you know worth ten billion dollars, um, you know that, that uh, he uses collateral or whatever, and I'm sure any bank would strike a deal with him to do commercials or whatever it was. But that that wasn't the point they wanted to make. The point they wanted to make was that. Heroes are real people with real families and real struggles, and that and even the Falcon couldn't get credit. And you know whether race played a role in that or not. I mean, it was left up left up to the viewer. I mean, I, I think that it probably did, but you know, somebody could just sort of say, hey, he didn't have any credit, and banks are act like robots. Either way, it was you know very poignant in that. But again, as far as MCU storytelling is concerned, moving along the MCU, uh, I, I don't. You know, I mean. Listen, I highly recommend all the so you watch them from beginning to end, but you know, if you weren't going to and you want to sort of skip to the next movie, I'm not sure that we missed any points.
2: Right. And then of course we have the most recent one, Loki, um, which takes off where we left where we left off uh with uh, Avengers Endgame where Loki grabs a Tesseract and he, you know you know, blasts himself into into another part of the galaxy. Uh
0: he ends up in like, you know, Beirut or Brew or some bullshit. And, you know, the TVA finds him. Oh, is it it's him. the Gobi Desert? Gobi Desert. There you go. And then the TVA
2: comes in takes him in. Um, and Loki pretty much gets his ass beat and gets taken in. Um, a lot of the episodes pretty much like a mind blow uh, for MCU fans because you find out that the Infinity Stones don't mean shit in that place. They mean shit on Earth and the rest of the galaxy, but... And the TVA, like that one guy even says, you know, a lot of guys use them as paperweights. Yep. So for Loki, he's like, you know, my magic doesn't matter. This is probably the greatest power in the universe, the TVA, whatever this is. Um, and then Loki kind of has like a, he kind of has like a, what's the word? He, he has a punch in the, he has like a slap in the face where he deals with that. And then he sees pretty much his life after the first Avengers. He sees his mom die. You know, he sees him and Thor, you know, fighting side by side. And then he sees him die. He sees his own death. So for Loki, it's like, you know, oh, shit. You know, I I, I actually became better, but then I died anyway. So what's the point? But then that was almost like a message for him. I'm like, we're going to like, okay, there's still enough time to get to be better. So and then, of course, Owen Wilson, who plays Mobius, who's, you know, basically, you know, the buddy. He's the buddy of Loki.
0: Yeah. Um, Start like 48 hours where Agent Mobius, basically the the TVA is sort of like this time police kind of thing to try and keep the the basis of the story was at some point there were various time streams. They were at war with each other that these three timekeepers merged the timelines into one that no matter how many universes there were, they were all on one continuous timeline, no longer a war. But every now and then something did some some person did something they weren't supposed to do. There was a variant and the time police would go get rid of them, reset the timeline and keep the timeline in one stream. So to keep this massive war from happening. So it sort of starts with Owen Wilson being one of these time cops and Loki being sort of like his Eddie Murphy in 48 hours where he's going to use the criminal to try and catch the criminal who they reveal at the end of episode one is another Loki that there's. You know that you still have multi multi universes; they're just on the same timeline, and and so there's you know a whole lot of that, and there's a whole lot of Lokiism, sort of backtracking, lying, conniving. You're not sure what, what what's true, what's illusion, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but you know it, it, it's it's good fun, and and it's interesting, and it's very British science fictiony, right down to there being a huge bureaucracy. Uh, and everything at levels, including many, many, many Lokis (laughs) in many, many different forms, including an alligator. Um, But at the end of the the show, we meet Kang, who is not Kang the Conqueror necessarily. It it seems like this was a Kang who might have been a benevolent Kang, but we, of course, wouldn't know that, who actually kept the timeline in order. And, you know, but the Lokis, uh, and there's a female Loki, and there's sort of a weird thing where Loki and she, Loki, sort of seem to be falling for each other, which is themselves, which is sort of creepy and and explored. Um, but uh, it turns out that this Kang, when she Loki, who actually goes by Sylvie, um, dispatches him because at some point he he knew everything that was to come until this this moment in time where they just pass it. He's like, okay, well, as of ten seconds ago, I no longer know everything that's going to happen, so. At this point, I'm mortal. You you, you can, I mean, he was always mortal, but he was always a, a step ahead. Um, you can kill me. And she opts to kill him. And then all of a sudden you see in the TVA, the time variances, uh, monitors, they go all over the place. And when Loki gets back, nobody knows who he is. The statues are no longer three. Timekeepers are just one statue of Kang. Statue, rather. It's not statute. Um, and it seems that, a different Kang, a different Kang the Conqueror took over, which was basically what benevolent Kang, I'll call him, prophesies. He said, just another one of me is going to end up in the seat eventually, and they're probably going to be worse than me. And our Loki, Loki Prime, sort of bought into this, and Sylvie Loki didn't. And and well, when we when we see the end, it looks like maybe our Loki made the right choice, but he didn't he didn't get to execute on the choice. So it's sort of a, and we're not exactly sure because time also works different in the TVA. We're not exactly sure how much time in the MCU has passed before this reset happened. Is it right after Avengers 1? Is it after, you know, Far From Home? We just don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to know. I mean, suppo- supposedly it happened during WandaVision because somebody made a theory that when Wanda officially
1: became a Scarlet Witch... And they, they matched up with the scene where, um, uh, not Mobius, uh, King is saying, it seems we've, we crossed the threshold. Like they,
2: they say whenever, you know, Wanda actually became Scarlet Witch, then that's when that happened.
1: Oh, okay. And the, and the creator of Loki, you know, debunked that, which of
2: course she is. So they're saying, you know, Wanda had a, had a role to play in you know, fucking with the multiverse. <laughs>
0: I also like the thing they've adopted where you can tell whose magic is by the color. Wanda's is scarlet, obviously. The other witch was, I think her name was Agnes Harkness. Hers was purple. And the Lokis, it's green. Uh, you know, and Doctor Strange it's sort of like an orange just color. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like that sort of, those, those little touches to, to let you know who's doing what. But also, Loki in this movie also learned that, that Loki himself is a lot more powerful than he ever thought he was.
2: Right. So, as far as, like, the next shows go, you know, next month we're getting What If, which is going to be an animated series, you know, based off of the comics, you know, uh, with The Watcher, who's going to be voiced by, uh, Jeffrey Wright, um, who's playing, uh, Jim Gordon in The Batman, so that should be a good one. Um, right after that, we're not sure as what's coming next, but all, all we know is that Miss Marvel and Hawkeye are going to be the next two series at the end of the year, um, As far Mm -hmm. as movies goes, the next movie we're getting is Shang-Chi in September. Um, The Immortals, not the Immortals, the Eternals in November. And we're getting Spider-Man 3 in December.
0: Yes. And we think we're getting a She-Hulk series and also a Moon Knight series.
2: She-Hulk is already in production. And then uh, Moon Knight is currently in production with uh, Oscar Isaac as the titular role. Um, And then we're getting an, an, uh, an Armor Wars series with Don Cheadle. As a as Rhodey, uh, there was already a Loki season two announced.
0: Yep. and it said Loki uh, will return then, which means we probably won't see him again until Loki season two. Well,
2: no, there's a rumor that he might come on Doctor Strange too.
0: It's possible, but they're pretty good about saying when somebody's gonna when we're gonna see them again. But anyway, we don't know. But yeah, and by the way, it's uh, She Hulk is being played by Tatiana Mislani. Anyone who doesn't know who she is, she was an orphan black, which. Uh, for the first year was a great show. It sort of went, went off the rails, but she's a terrific actress. Um, she also played another role on, I think, a comedy. I can't remember which one, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Orphan Black is, is where uh, I know from. Anyway, um, so I don't know that anybody could do the MCU with the detail and in in time less than we did. We did a little bit over two two hours and twenty minutes, which is of course fifty minutes more than I wanted to. But I never, I knew we were never going to so do ninety good. minutes. I was hoping for maybe an hour and forty five minutes. So, Drew, thank you very much, and and plug your stuff.
2: Thank you, thank you, Jeff for inviting me on this lovely show. Um, so, plug my stuff. So, uh, Drew Yari Show. You can find me on Spreaker. That's the home base. Uh, anywhere else that podcast are put out, I'm also on YouTube, where seldomly I'll do you know reaction videos like trailers and. You know, shit like that. I need to do more of them. I also need need a new webcam. So I need to work on that. And I'll sometimes do streaming on there or on
1: Twitch. So you can find me. Uh, Patreon. I have a Patreon uh, where
2: I work with multiple people, Jeff Jeff included. We have our own little show. It's called From My Lips to Your Ears. Where it's just me and Jeff talking shit. Talking about the things we like. Uh, It's mostly non-wrestling, but if something comes to our attention that we have to bring up that we do. But for the most part, we just talk about things we like, like movies and, you know, life, what have you. I also do a show with RJ, you know, that, uh, Revenge of the Savage Nerds. We were supposed to do one yesterday, but I felt ill. So we're going to have to reschedule that. And then me and Ruben Prime to do a show where we review bad movies. It's called The Worst of the Worst. We're, we'll review bad movies, but we're also thinking about reviewing like under the radar, like Hulk flicks or reviewing entire franchises um so well, I, I need to i need to hit them up so we can do our next show but yeah it's five it's five bucks a month just simple price five bucks a month uh it's a good deal we won't find it anywhere else so just five bucks a month with me and jeff and uh, twitter instagram and facebook your are show Let me see
0: all right thank you once again drew and thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time in the garden Peace. Peace. Wine glasses never fall over until you get a brand new rug. Oh no! Ketchup bottles act normal till you're wearing a new shirt.
1: Ugh, oh, you kidding me? And
0: rocks lie peacefully on the road till the day you get a brand new windshield. Then they fly up off the road and attack without mercy. Oh. That's why new windshields from Glass Doctor come with our windshield protection plan. Unlimited repairs and one replacement for 12 months. Don't just fix it, protect it. Glass Doctor, a neighborly company.